Five score year and trying. Five score year and Kevin Hart to go. Um, How old are you, Don Cheadle? Damn. Um, Damn. <laughs> Thank you for showing me that. That was wonderful. I can't tell <laughs> if it's real or not. Well, this is I real. I can't tell. This is real, boyos. Oh. Welcome, you limp biscuits, to, to Big Damn... Big damn! Big damn, cast. Big damn! Big Kevin Hart, here's Don Cheadle's age and can't quite believe it. Uh, cast. www.100yearsbigdamncast.com. <laughs> uh, Fuck. Uh, and I know what you're all thinking. Uh, hey, these two sound sexy. Thanks. Yes. But aside from that, I know what you're all thinking. Oh, God. It's Marvel again. Look at the thumbnail. Oh, no. It's more Marvel stuff. Would well, you know what? It's Marvel. Do you know oh, what? Oh, oh, oh. yes! <laughs> That's why they pay you Got some bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing, folks. We're a pop culture podcast, nerdy news, geeky gossip, stuff that's fit to fill your time until you inevitably croak. Um, uh, probably choke. Choke me, daddy. But, mm. um, see, the thing is... Which daddy? Uh, go, daddy. Hmm. <laughs> Mm, I don't know. Of, oh, speaking of daddies, I gotta show you something. So continue. Oh, yeah. uh, basically, uh, Marvel, like the only sort of entertainment brand right now, uh, across you know comics and TV series and movies that are putting stuff out we can talk about in this sort of very vague um, uh, well, sphere of hit the stuff that the audience is going to recognize. I don't know because um, there. There's other stuff going on, but it's like TV based or like streaming service based that we're not like super like we haven't talked about Invincible. We haven't watched Why the Last Man. It's not out yet. That's why. <laughs> the Last Man. The Last Man. Um, yeah. yeah, the trailer does look good though. It does look. Um, it does look tasty. It does look tasty. Um, and but Dune's around the corner. It is. That's uh, that's getting either brilliant or awful reviews. So, from the screenings. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jaime Bond. Jaime is Bond it is time to die? Corner. That's on its way. Um, I'm looking forward to that now. Actually, I think I did, not even in, in necessarily in a. Oh my god! I'm so pent up. I've been so excited about seeing this kind of way. Just in a get it over with. Are you done? Kind of way. We can talk about the casting for the uh, <laughs> the the Wednesday Adams TV show. Yeah, you can hit me with that. I'm I'm, I'm a bit how out of loop on about, that one. How do you feel about um, Catherine Zeta Jones's Morticia? Oh, sorry. Like the the the, the adult who rewatched uh, Legend of Zorro about six seven years ago mm. went, Jesus, I slept on this one. Mm. Um, just heard you then. Mm. Oh, that could be either really sort of um, disappointing, or the best fucking casting since. Um, Oh my god, 90s. We were just talking about Adele Sears. Uh, Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. It well, could be the best Morticia since then. Very much depends on the Gomez, doesn't it? True. Now keep in mind, the last time these characters were cast for the mainstream was the animated film from a couple of years ago. Yeah. 
where it was Charlize Theron as Morticia and Oscar Isaac as Gomez. And it was like, that's annoying because that's a perfect live action casting right now. So uh, the fact that we've got this Netflix series produced by Tim Burton, first episode mm. directed, and is about Wednesday Adams, the Adamses as a family are more supporting characters slash window dressing yeah. for the overall project. Catherine Zeta-Jones, I think, is a safe casting. It's a good bit of star casting. She hopefully could be fucking incredible in the role as well. I mean... Just Matthew Zorro, Catherine Zeta-Jones, plus my leaning toward goth sensibilities and attraction could be an absolute recipe for... Mm, yes, please. Yes. Gomez has to give me that same feeling. Who? Oh, Mighty Mayhew is playing Gomez in this Netflix show. I'm split on this. Because it could go either way. Okay. Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman. This guy! Shit, Luis Guzman! Okay. Mmm. Okay. Yes. It really could go either way, couldn't it? Do you know what? I actually think that's going to work. And I'm not just saying this, like, on a completely shallow level, but, like, he looks like comic book Gomez. Yeah. He is a shorter, rounder man with a very handsome face but big old chubby cheeks. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, okay. I, I See, here's the thing. They're a cartoon, they're a cartoon comic strip family. Mm-hmm. And I'm picturing the silhouettes. Yeah. Now, Angelica Houston and Raul Julia were not the exact silhouettes, but they absolutely, Heath Ledger style, embodied they those were that, characters. Yeah, they were more like the TV show versions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, precisely. Because the, the Adam Sandler movies were built off the back of nostalgia for the TV show rather than the comic strips. Yeah. Whereas now... As has most things since, like... But now we've had the animated movie... Yeah. ...that sort of... It's not really affected our lives. I don't think either of us have seen it, and we're not fussed. No. And there's but the, in, there'll be kids that like saw it. it in the last, you know, few years, who, to them, that's their exposure to it. And they'll fall in love with the property from that. Casting people who, like, almost physically resemble yeah. the proportions of the comic book style? Yeah. Not a bad idea, and he's also a fucking great actor. Although, mm, okay, Louise Guzman. Louise Guzman. Louise Guzman. Okay, okay. Need to log that name because I've never logged his name before. So, it's because I'm an ignorant, because I'm an ignorant white male who only remembers names like Pete. It is funny though that you <laughs> as we're going to learn in the rest of this podcast, I'm you, fucking you ignorant. Mention Oscar Isaac being a perfect live action Gomez. What? Because oh. there's this gif of him with a. Uh, with Jessica Chastain at a premiere on the red carpet. Mm-hmm. Again, that sounds like a sandwich I'd love to be a filling in. Tell me, you've never seen anything more Gomez in your life. Look oh my God, she's got her arm draped motion. across his shoulder. And he's seeing the arm. He's seeing that stroking arm. Stroking the arm. Look at that. <gasps> Look at that. Um, question. Yeah. Is there something going on there? Oh, is he going in for the kiss? He's going in for the goddamn kiss. Oh. He's kissing Chastain's arm. Oh my god. Okay, based on how they're giggling, they're doing a bit. They're doing a little I don't know. little bit of summer. Look at him. Look at him. Look oh. at him. Ooh. Smoldering. I mean, this is not a gossip show. Smoldering. This is not a gossip show, but is there something going on? Is he kissing he's blowing kisses to the air at how perfect Jessica Chastain is? Mm. Mm. Is, there, is there something going on here? Mm. Is there something I going on here? Look at him. It Look at him. Just leaning in and going, <laughs> January embers. Uh. Oh. 
Damn, that's... Yeah, I mean, okay. Context to the thing you brought it up for, yes. There I is, will say Oscar there Isaac is, is a married man. There I'm is just putting that out there. There is big Gomez energy in, in what, what I just saw. Absolutely massive Gomez energy. Context I derive from it, just as a bystander who finds both of these people, A, genuinely, like, brilliant performers, and B, a little bit on the hello side. Um... What's going on there, man? <laughs> God, what's going on there? Mm. Yeah, I'm assuming I'm assuming it's lovely, jokey, friendly thingy, and they're probably very close considering they've worked on a film which goes on for like bloody year or whatever. So they can be, they can be jokey, but my God, God Oscar, if you're jo- if that's you acting like oh passion, it's like, and you can do that on a whim, like you're just taking the piss, then I think he could possibly make me come at fifty feet, just with a look. It's it's just might horrify it, him because in, in the scenario that just came immediately into my head, we're in like Euston Station. <laughs> I've just got mm-hmm. off my train. I've just spotted him, and he's just looked over with no intention of doing it, and I've just stood there on the concourse going, "Oh!" oh, oh, oh. And for some reason, it's operatic singing because you can't illustrate uh, ejaculation in a Hollywood motion picture scenario without there being a comedy uh, relieving sound. Yeah. So, uh, to which now he's, of course, skipping ahead a bit, like, oh, this is awkward, and he's trying to, he's going to shortcut through boots to, uh, to get away from me. Here we go. Oh? They're both married with children, and they, but they were also friends at Juilliard. Oh, so they're super close. Yeah. yeah so okay. they're old, old, old friends. Okay. Also, Juilliard. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Trambooey. <laughs> oh by the way yeah I'm um uh fucking I don't know Chris uh watch how you speak to me boy Johnson uh, I'm Matthew don't you wish I looked at you like Oscar Isaac looks at Jessica Justin's arm Watson <laughs> well this became explicit <laughs> very quickly that took us 10 minutes to get to the introduction so that's gotta be a new record we got you for 10 minutes <laughs> 10 minutes of Playtime. Ten minutes of playtime, of uh, Oscar Isaac's playtime. Hey Matt. Uh, yes. The Rick and Morty finale two part has happened. I've not watched it yet. Uh, there you go, folks. Yay! Um, Give me a minute. Yeah, we'll see you next week with a bit of Rick and Morty thoughts. Uh, if you want to email in, let us know what you thought of the finale or its weird Christopher Lloyd starring teasers, then uh, bigdamcontact at gmail.com. In the mean holes, uh, which have been lubricated, Ooh. ready for such an occasion. Ready for the mega seeds. Oh, you had to go right to the mega seeds. The mega seeds. One hundred years, rickandmorty.com. You wait till I get to the ultra seeds. Oh, fa 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 fa. That sounds like something you'd rub up against your Bulbasaur. Giga seeds. Um, Filthy boy. Uh, everything we're talking about this week comes with spoiler territory. Yes. We will do a bit beforehand, and then go into the spoilers. So I think the way we shall deliberate this utter filth. With our two big topics, which are what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands, mm. uh, and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, we will go with what if first. Why? Because it's on Disney+. Plus. You could download a free trial and watch it right hecking now and then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast. Yes. So we will go for that first, whereas Shang-Chi, of course, is theatrical release only and 
we know not everyone will have seen it, so we will save spoilers for Shang-Chi toward the end. But before either of those topics, do we have any emails that we want to crack into before we go into those? Uh, no, we've got a big uh, Shang-Chi-related email, so we'll save that for Fan last time. Fan-bloody-tastic. Synergy. 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 I can't, I can't clink you. I've finished my brew. Uh, well, I'll raise my brew towards you, and you can make a uh, pottery sound. That's too quiet. How hollow is this pottery? It's very hollow. Oh, it's oh they're made of it's made of wood. Let's go. There we go. Beautiful. That's also the sound I make. Did I should actually make when I ejaculate on a train station. <laughs> the well, the sound, not the ejaculation. Who are you, uh, D. Bradley Baker? <laughs> yes, yes, I am D. Bradley Baker. Did you voice uh, a chicken pig in the film we're going to talk about? Chipping. He did. He did the noises for Morris. That's got a proper name. That's so that. It's, we'll we'll get to that. Well, we'll get yeah, to that. yeah. Um. But, we'll get but to we that. will call him Morris. We will call him Morris because that mean, was his name. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What you know what I mean? Um. Let's talk about what if first. What if episode four? If you're thinking, why not talk about the zombies? That's next week. We're always a week out of whack. We give you a chance to watch it. Shut your whole mouths. Things are getting spicy <laughs> now, boy. Yeah. So what if episode four? This was my favourite one so far. Uh, the deviation here is is ultimately that Christine goes with Stephen Strange mm. on that fateful journey. Not um, only that. Uh, yes, it's, 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 this, this is a what-if based solely off of yeah. the events of 2016's Doctor Strange. Yes. Uh, with pretty much every cast member returning who plays a role in it. Yes. That No one that is in it is yes. not the person is not being played by the person who played them on screen. There's obviously a few additional voices for different characters, but yeah. I, I love Benedict Wong's voice acting. I love Benedict Wong he, full bloody so, stuff. He's just so and I'm delighted that we have two rah, things to talk about with him rah, rah, today. He's so rah, rah, rah. He, um, I played Prey and he's and he's a major character in that. Oh, the, um, the, uh, the, the, the Prey that's got nothing to do with the original yeah, Prey. The aside from the Prey. fact that the company owns the license yeah. and they went... It's a reboot, but it's got fuck all to do with it yeah. at all. We're just using the name. We wanted to use the name. It sounds cool. The, okay. The Prey, which is basically System Shock 3, but isn't actually System Shock 3 because System Shock 3 is being developed by someone else. Yes. Uh, that Prey. He's in that and he's brilliant in he's that. He's brilliant in everything. Um, I just, whatever you do, always have him on your side if you're participating in a game of Street Countdown. Just, oh. <laughs> always bet on Wong. Um, I, I love that we've gone through, we're going through a, Benedict, like a Benedict Wongasance. Do you know what I mean? No, because he never, never he was, had he was, a downtime. Oh, no, he never like, had a downtime, but he, he, was a, he was a sleeper for so long. Yeah. He like, he was someone a... who just like, oh, that guy was really good. Oh, he was pretty cool. Oh, he was all right. And then suddenly, explosion, Netflix series, and the MCU. And it's just like, this guy's amazing. Can he be in all the things? But I know what you mean. He's got that really gravelly, really kind of intimidating voice as Wong. Yeah. But is the driest, funniest motherfucker in the MCU. <laughs> it's just, oh my god, he's he's incredible. Um, well, he's been a dry, funny motherfucker for a long time. Like, <laughs> as as of uh, you know, as you can tell by his early work with um, Peter Serafinovich. Oh my um, god, him playing Yoko Ono in the Beatles skits in the yes. Peter Serafinovich show again, not affecting her mannerisms or anything no, at all. No. Just dressed like her, like <laughs> costume and wig and makeup. <laughs> To a T, and they'd just be like, "Oh, that sounded lovely, John." <laughs> it's just so funny. If you've never watched, guys, if you've never watched the Peter Serafinovich show, the oh. entire thing has been uploaded to YouTube by the company that owns it with Peter Serafinovich's approval. Go watch it. It's it's seven episodes of a sketch mm. show, six episodes in a Christmas special, and it's 
incredible. And Benedict Wong is one of the supporting cast. Um, in fact, he, he and Paul Putner sort of take the majority of the supporting uh, male's roles in the sketches. Yeah. And they both do amazing work. There's one brilliant sketch where like Paul Putner is um, uh, uh, Oliver Hardy and uh, 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 Peter Sifferich is Stan Laurel. And it's just a Laurel and Hardy short, but halfway through Stan Laurel just starts swearing. And then it continues to evolve as though that would be the premise of the short, where like characters were just reacting to, oh, you can't say that. And he's just like, well, I'm fucking sick of it. I'm real fucking tired of it. And you're like, oh my god, it's so good. And the impressions are like flawless. Amazing. It's oh, it's it's yeah. I highly recommend. So Doctor Strange, um, amazing. Christine, uh, basically the difference in this universe is that uh, Strange is a bit less arrogant, and he's not late. Yeah. To that the the award thing that the gala, so he picks up Christine, and they both drive off. And unfortunately, she dies. Like, they get into a, a, a swerve yeah. on the highway. They still get into a crash. They still get into a crash. Not not because he's just speeding recklessly this time, but because he sort of, he makes a turn at the wrong moment. Doesn't, it's doesn't not pay that, full he attention. Gets oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Because they, they, the, they have the tease early yeah. on where you think he's going to mm. get run off the road by yeah. going around the truck in the wrong lane, but then he's fine, and then they get rear-ended. And then what happens is basically the events of Doctor Strange, but instead of him and his in his hubris and ego trying to rebuild himself so he can be a superstar surgeon again. Yeah. He's doing the study because secretly he wants to find a way to bring Christine back. Does she die in the crash? Does she die? The events of Doctor Strange happen. We see them all in quick montage. Yep. Dormammu have come to bargain, etc. And we get to basically that period between Doctor Strange and sort of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Except instead of being all whimsical and funny and wearing big yellow gloves, this time he's drinking himself into depression mm. because he can't find anything in the ancient texts or in the Sanctum Sanctorum that would help bring Christine back. And Wong's trying to sort of pull him out of it. Yeah. He's like, I'll put, he says, I'll put on the kettle. And you're like, I, I just, I, oh my God. I love hearing that. <laughs> I love hear, in, in a big Hollywood thing, I love hearing someone say, I'll put on the kettle. Get the kettle started. Because it just doesn't sound... And yeah. obviously, yeah, because of course in America, they, like it's rare that people own an electric yeah, kettle. Yeah, they're all hob kettles. They're all hob kettles. It's like, what are you fucking doing, guys? Yeah. Get an electric kettle. You, um, you can have instant coffee within like a minute. Just go and do it. Anyway. And also, going back to what we said about the, the, <laughs> the Wong strange relationship on screen, he's not a servant. He's a peer. Yeah. And he's, he's, like, he's, there, he's there to keep an eye on the new Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. Um, if anything, he's the caretaker of the sanctum more than he is. Which I, well, the films have done that so servant. wonderfully. Could you get yeah. this? Because it, it, it's not it's not a master servant relationship, but there's there's still sort of an element of him being the Alfred, the, the yeah. Lucius Fox to Strange's Batman. But it, it it's do you know do you know what it is? Do you know what it's more comparable to? And, and not in the obvious way, you fucking assholes. Um, the Green Hornet and Kato. I suppose, Kato yeah. is actually across all that shit and makes things happen. Yeah. The Green Hornet is sort of like, no, I've got the plan and here's how we're going to do it. And Kato's always like, so you want me to do this, 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 this and this? Sure. Okay, boss, let's go. Yeah. And it's, it's like, that's the, that seems to be the kind of relationship. Whereas like Kato's the one who's actually capable. Yeah. <laughs> and the Green Hornet's not incapable. Yeah. But Kato's the one who could like, we're facing down a room full of 20 guys, we're going to beat the shit out of them. Kato's the one yeah. who wins and takes care of it. And then has the getaway car ready. And he's like, right, in get, we go. Get it. Get in. Uh, what's that car called? Uh, black. 
Beauty, I want to yes. say. Yes, Blood Beauty. There it is. Um, yeah, because it's a big old like black Mustang. Oh god, that's just that that show that that franchise is just saddled with racial baggage, isn't it? What's really wow. what's really shame about the Green Hornet is like you could just shave a bunch of stuff out of it, and the premise would be fucking cool. Uh, Kevin Smith's comic book take on it was really I mean, it's really Batman, fun. Isn't it? Like, yeah, it's Batman pre Batman. Okay. Well, Batman. It's the, a Batman peer, really, isn't it? Because it's well, yes, yeah, so it's same same era. The yeah. sort of pulp. Radio stuff, but I, I, Kevin Smith's revamped version of it in like 2006, the one that was a film script and then didn't get made. So then Dynamite or whoever it was who won the license yeah, at the time so. just made it as a mini series. Six million dollar man as well, didn't they? Yeah, and, and it's the, the, the Green Hornet one's really good, mm. and you can kind of see some of the DNA of it lingering in, in the, the studio's Rogan. notes for the Seth Rogen one. Uh, okay, because Seth Rogen came at it with his own idea, um, but you can sort of see that the same way now we can see. The Amy Pascal Sinister Six emails yeah. are still influencing the Spider-Man movies, even if, like, yeah. um, you know, even if uh, John Watts and that don't want to do that, it's like, well, I guess we have to incorporate this. Like, it, it's sort of still there. That Seth Rogen wanted all the makings of, of something that could have been good as well. Yeah, but a, it's just a bit base. Right by the end, what it was a bit basic. A bit base. Um, buttery base. Christoph Waltz his two guns his two barrels that was fun and B I don't remember the last 20 minutes because I fell asleep which says it all yeah says it all I fell asleep in the cinema but Um, if you hate James Franco just watch the opening scene a few times yeah it's fine Um, Um, so yeah It'd be good. Um, do you remember when that was cute? When it was like, oh, James Franco's randomly in it for like a minute uh, as a character and he's not credited. Oh, like an alien covenant. Oh, look, James uh, Franco's in it as a burning man. Burning. That's interesting. As opposed uh, to being at Burning Man. Yeah. Um, Whereas now we go like, oh, it's him. It's, it's him. It's James mm. Franco. Uh, do you think the new Goblin's going to be returning in Spider-Man? No, it, no. Fucking hope not. Um, Still, he is part of one of the greatest memes on the internet. Anyway. So good. <laughs> um... Yes, yeah, so, um, uh, so Christine dies, Doctor Strange becomes the master of the mystic arts and, and, and joins, uh, goes to Kamataj and studies under the ancient one and the events of Doctor Strange still happen. We don't... Uh, I was actually a bit miffed. We didn't see Mordo at all. And I know he's not in it, but like even just a Kamataj thing, just see him in frame would have mm. been like, oh, there's Mordo. Um, <clears throat> but I think part of that is because Strange's story arc in this is kind of similar to what becomes of Mordo in the films. Mm. Uh, albeit not with sorcerers. Oh, what we think Mordo's going to become in the films because we've only had that teaser that it pushed this direction. We they don't c- know they've confirmed he's in multiverse I now, but don't they? know. <clears throat> I hope so. Should we tell Ezra for a fucking gift? I mean, yeah, like fucking hands down. But um... and as much as I like Doctor Strange the film, like you wasted Mads Mikkelsen overall. Yeah. Don't do it to Shiratel Ezra for, please, guys. Well, I think Marvel films tend to do that thing where they don't. Where they cover up gaps in the writing with the casting. Yeah. That's what they did with... Oh, that's what they tried to do with Thor The Dark World with Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. But then, uh, didn't, yeah. But then they didn't even have enough in the script for, for him to, to sort of paper that over. But it's what they did with Mads Mikkelsen and Doctor Strange and I think it, it mostly works. Yeah. Because with that, because an actor like that comes in with a certain mood and a certain um, approach and gravitas that you can fill in the blanks. And a certain fuel for Tumblr kink when uh, he gets locked in that weird Oof. thing. Hello. Mads now. Um, um, <laughs> you want to talk about Mads Mikkelsen King, you should watch Hannibal. Um, you, want to, you just want to talk about King. You just want to talk, but we're not going to get into pro and anti's again. Um, so, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so uh, he, one kind of accidentally sparks a thought in him about time. Yeah. And that's when Strange well, decides. Well, he's trying to discourage it, really. 
Yeah, but, 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 but uh, Strange kind of tweaks that time is the key. Yeah. Um, so at first, he begins to turn back time using the time stone. Mm. Which again, he doesn't know like is a time stone yet at this point, does he? It's a, he knows it manipulates time. He knows it manipulates time because we, we time get stone. a big old recap of the apple scene. Yeah. Which is a great shorthand. Um, yeah, because the, the fact that it's the time stone in the original film is dropped like in the closing minutes. They were like, the two characters are like, the time stone will be kept here for now. Yeah. It's like, wait, hang on, what? Um, I thought the Eye of Agamotto was the Eye of Agamotto. You tell me it's a goddamn time stone? Uh, so, yeah, uh, he goes back and what we get is basically more morbid Groundhog Day. And I mean, the Groundhog Day montage gets pretty morbid. Yeah. But like... It's still a light comedy at the end of the day, a comedy drama film. This yeah. is like the, the the thousand deaths of Rachel McAdams is what this basically is. And you get the sense as well that like even if he's not even like one of them, he just doesn't show up. He goes to a bar and gets drunk. And then the news, told by Christine Everhart. Yes. Played by um, Leslie Bibb. Leslie Bibb, who played yeah. her in Iron Man 1 and 2. Um... Like, you, you, you see that she dies in a... There's, like, a uh, an attack somewhere, and she's one of the yeah. casualties. Yeah. And you're like, what is happening? Like, what is going... No matter what, Christine dies. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's when the Ancient One, presumably of that time period, in that loop, because yes. she's alive. Yes. So Avengers Endgame, like, oh, this version of her sort of like, I can sense what's happening here. Yeah. Um, She rocks up, and she's like, yeah, you can't do this. You can't save her. He's like, what do you mean? It's like, because if you save her, you don't go on the journey to becoming the Sorcerer Supreme. You don't save us from Kaecilius and Dormammu. Mm -hmm. And the world is plunged into darkness. She has to die. And I can't remember what they call it, but it's basically this, it's the MCU's version of a fixed point in time. Like the Doctor Who thing of like, certain things are in flux, Certain things cannot be altered. Because if they are, they drastically alter the course of history. And that's what's going on here, isn't it? Is it's like if you you know, if she survives, you don't study, the universe dies. Yeah. Because Domamu wins. Because yeah. you are the reason we win. Um And it's interesting because it's sort of like once you realise that, you're like, hang on. <laughs> Wait a minute. He <laughs> Her death isn't his motivating fact, but that's some of the I think got lost in translation because it was online. That was a big thing. People were like, but hang on, he does that without her dying in the film. It's like, yeah. yeah. But the difference here is, yeah. in this universe, her death is his motivating factor. Yeah. There is no other motivating factor. And also, this by doing that, this does a great job at really fleshing out retroactively Stephen and Christine's relationship. Yes. Because it's not bad in the original movie, but it's sort of it sort of suffers from superhero origin movie... Um, love interest syndrome yeah of they don't have enough scenes together for you to sort of go i am so behind these two i completely believe this you sort of go yeah these guys seem cute yeah and that's kind of it really so like yeah they seem all right they seem, they seem okay um whereas in this it's like no god he loves her so at least this strange with his less of an ego starting out yes because is, that's the thing that is in awe of the yeah, yeah, yeah is in awe of this woman he yeah. adores her and it leads to the fucking terrifying second half of this story. Yes. So, um, Ike Amadi plays Oben, uh, who 
may or may not actually be um, Cogliostro. Cogliostro, because in the comics that is one of the aliases Cogliostro has used. Yes. Um, uh, strange, strange, after all these multiple deaths in the ancient one going, you can't do it, mate. Which sort of implies that she's making it happen to preserve time. Um, or time does it itself. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know if they clarify, do they? Or the TVA does it. Could be. I mean, that explains why they keep getting rear-ended. They're just coming real quick, prune the driver and leave the car. Yeah. <laughs> it just keeps travelling. Yeah. I've been... Um, I got Marvel Unlimited, finally. I, 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 oh, I yes. Um, you can't get the version with all the, the goodies, though, because it'll only deliver to the US. Ah! Uh, so you guys lost out on ex- an extra 20 quid. Uh, but I lost out on getting the, the really cool Scott Young Stark pin and the Ms. Marvel figure. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but uh, I've been box setting the living shit out of the 2000 She-Hulk comic. <laughs> it's it is incredible. It's but um, one of the recent stories I, I read, there's a time crime. Uh, for those oh, who don't know, for those who don't know, Jennifer Walters She-Hulk is is uh, is a lawyer by day in this in this book, and they're sort of trying to make that her sole. Thing. For those who don't know, you'll find out soon. Yeah, yeah, because they're so. I mean, I was looking at the cast list last night again. Out of curiosity, and I was like, so "Who's Jimmy the Jamil playing?" Titania. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely going down the route of that first year yeah. of the comic. Okay, interesting. Um, I also, I'd, I'd be interested to see if she can play that because she tends to play sort of more intellectual, snarky stuff quite well, but Titania is kind of for the most part, act completely on impulse and as a brute and a bit of an idiot. I mean, there's a tragic side to her story. There's layers mm. to it, but she's sort of more of a, you know, like, are you laughing now? She's like smashing stuff around her and wielding a fucking infinity stone in her forehead. We shall see. Which they won't do in the show. But, no. yeah. Because, um, you know, they, they, they're gone. Um, but it's a time crime and this guy shows up and kills somebody in the middle of the street because he's found out that person is going to kill him uh, in the future. Because he works at a lab where they are trying to make time travel possible. Okay. And he's been getting messages from his future self. One of which is, this guy is going to kill you. <clears throat> and it doesn't come through clear, but he's like, right. So he kills him. And of course now everyone's like, right, you've got to be done for murder. And he's like, hang on, with the evidence provided, I can, with my lawyers, prove that this was self-defense. Because of course America's fucked up in that way. But like, you yeah. know... Because he just pulls out a gun in the middle of New York and shoots a guy. Um, and he isn't instantly imprisoned because it becomes... No, because it might be in self-defense. It's like, why does it's he really have a gun? Not. Anyway, that's... Don't get political. Shut up. Your country's fucking broken. Shut up. Says the says the guys who are living in fucking Brexit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at least we're not shooting each other all broken. the time. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, it's so there's that. And, and they have to... Because obviously the, the parameters of the case are rather delicate... So the TVA are brought in as uh, sort of guidance for the for the trial, yeah. and it's really fun because I I, nah. I hadn't read a comic with them in in forever, like you know, you know, definitely not since Loki. Yeah. So it was cool to kind of revisit it, and I forgot that yeah, the majority of the senior staff are Mobius. Yeah. They're all Mobius. They've got different names. Only one of them calls himself Mobius. But and the implication Mobius. is they don't even know if they're the original one anymore. But they're all Mobius. <laughs> And they pull in a jury of people who hadn't seen the footage all over the news, so they bring a bunch of people from, like, three years prior. Ha! Um, like, the TVA just bring them forward in time, and they're isolated, basically. <laughs> like, they've got to stay in this one hotel for the duration of the case, and yeah. back and forth in the courtroom. Um, and, and Jennifer sort of twigs that all of the people in there are people who have died in the last three years. 
So that's how they. There's no risk of them running into the their current selves. But none of them know that. Obviously, they're just like, oh, jury duty through time. Okay, this is a thing. Um, and it's made even more complicated by the fact that one of the jurors is the past version of the recently deceased Hawkeye. Ah. Which Jen feels guilty about because she was part of the reason why it happened. Ah. So suddenly she's like trying to slip him notes and hints so he can avoid his death. Risking, of course, being found out and put on trial and raced from existence by the TVA herself for committing a time crime. It's really, really good. Anyway, um, so yeah, TVA. Uh, Doctor Strange goes to the Cagliostro's library and learns that basically, as the Ancient One said, like you don't have the power to do this. No one does. So he goes to the Cagliostro's, li- Cagliostro's library and is like, well, then I'm just going to get more powerful. Like I'll be more powerful than anyone's ever been. Yep. I want to be the very best. Like no one ever was. You know, to catch them is my real test. To absorb them is my car. Scary face. Because um, he does have a scary face. Uh, he does absorb a bunch of creatures. Sorry. I'm and just... it gets scarier. It gets fucking creepy. I love the fact that the first creature he tests it on is basically an evil gnome. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's just a little gnome. It's like, Rah! That's wonderful. Like, okay. But he starts so well, yeah, that's the first one it successfully works on. Well, yeah. The first one he tries it on is, oh, hello again, old friend from three episodes ago. So. People are calling Shumagarath, but. We've not seen the eye. Until yeah. we see the eye, it ain't Shumagarath. It's just a tentacly creature. But it seems to be, it's either, oh, well, we've got this, we've got this asset. Let's just use it. Yeah. Or, it's the same thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same thing. Considering um, we don't get confirmation that Captain Carter in her universe killed it. No. We just know that she escapes it. Yeah. Um, but also it could be just, the, it's the squid in this universe. Then again, that first episode just set up the idea of it being pulled from beyond like time and space. So it could be something that lives between the universes. Perhaps a dweller in the... Dark. No. Are you saying it's uh, a dragon's ass? Anyway, um, dragon's ass. Uh, Dragon ass. Um, uh, the movie coming soon. The through, mi- miniseries of Disney Plus through the anus. Uh, so <laughs> will it be voiced by Sean Connery? <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, his voice doesn't sound the same. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's yeah. exactly why. I'm yeah. definitely not. Don't hit with me. Um, don't hit anyone. Don't hit anyone. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, uh, he starts absorbing creatures and, and getting super strong and super buffing, and he even steals a cape from a tiny little creature. Uh, and tiny little bug creature. Tiny little bug creature. Uh, so he's got his own version of the cape. Yeah, because yes. I, I guess he doesn't... No, because he's in the past. Because he gets blasted by the ancient one. Yeah. Yeah. And, of, and course, of course, away. yeah. When he's when he's in the past, he's not yeah. adorned in his stuff, so he doesn't have the cape. So he hasn't got the he hasn't got the cape. So I was thinking, it was like he would have the cape, wouldn't he? Yeah, we would have had the cape yeah. in the future, but not in the past. So he doesn't have the cape. There we go. So he nicks so a cape. He's, he's taken a and cape. He's, he grows his beard pointy. He grows his beard pointy. And he's old got Delgado style. Yeah, and he's got um, he's got a uh, like. 20 o'clock shadow yeah um, and, and bags for days son he's, he's got he's got a luggage carousel under his eyes absorbing all kinds of, of uh, magical creatures including a dragon yeah and well that could be a reference to but that's the thing the creepiest part about this and the most effective part about this entire episode to me visually mm. was the use of 2D animation for a lot of the yes. creature effects 
yes. And especially the magic that came out of them. Well, there's, you've got... Like, he absorbed... Like, some of them are 3D, but a lot of them looked... And they would have probably been rendered in 3D, but they looked yeah. like flat, two-dimensional yes. animation. So when he absorbed them, it was this proper old-school, like, visual effects yes. thing. Like, the, the same way, like, that nowadays, it still is incredibly effective to use 2D animated lightning. Yeah. In film, because it just looks really and good and, and unnatural. They're also um, neat mythology gags as well because you mm. get him absorbing a dragon. Yes. After playing Smaug in, in, uh, in The Hobbit. Yeah. You get him absorbing a many-eyed raven, just like uh, Raven's demonic form in the DC universe. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the silhouettes, uh, after he absorbs them, has a hidden Mickey. Does it? Yeah. He absorbs Sorcerer Mickey! <laughs> He no, absorbs Sorcerer Mickey. It's just a Mickey in the silhouette. No, he absorbs Sorcerer Mickey. He absorbs Sorcerer Mickey. He's um, canon now. He's canon now. Jensen better come yeah. fucking kick his ass. And then he absorbs Jensen. No! Um, but the kicker is <laughs> And that... the brooms get away scot-free. Yeah. In that dimension now, they're just running around causing chaos. But he's been... He's been it, it turns out he's been doing this for centuries. But while centuries. they're doing it, there's an absolute bot playing in the background. Yes. But it turns out he's been doing this for centuries. And yeah, Obeng, that's Obeng, a creepy reveal. Obeng dies of old age and tells him that he's only half a man. Because it turns out that the Ancient One, when she zapped him, actually split him. Yeah. So there's a... She split the timeline. So there's a strange off-absorbing creatures and there's the regular strange... Who, at that moment of thinking of the idea, goes... Nah. nah. And then continues to live. Yeah. So um, uh, right down to like just chilling his being until he notices that the universe is literally falling apart from all the shittery that visual that the other so strange cool. been done. Yeah, it's sort of like slowed li- down liquid, and dissolving. Like liquid smoke yeah. floating upwards. Everything's crumbling. Yeah. So um, Wong uh, gives him some magical tools. Yeah, f- uh, f- uh, fading away Wong. Yes, like, fading away Wong. Hey, dude. Uh, like this yeah that was a really nice visual like basically sort of uh, body armour yeah and it's all these rings that you see on his face which when the other strange tweaks starts beating the piss out of him to get rid of the runes yeah which is creepy which is a nice nod back to uh, WandaVision yeah oh god when he just swipes the last one away like it's a like it's a smudge on his cheek oh that's oh that's so creepy it's very creepy Um, so yeah that's when he's he's a cost, oh, of course, because Strange in the present is talked to by like a projection or an astral form or, or a ghost, essentially, of the Ancient One. Is like, ah, yeah, so yeah, uh, I split you in half. Yeah, uh, giggity, and uh, there's an evil you, and you're the only one who can stop him so... realistically. So go yeah. out with it, and then yeah, so we get a wizard fight. <laughs> we get Strange v Strange, and. Considering one strange has absorbed the power of many, many extra-dimensional creatures, mm. it goes about as well as you'd expect. Yeah. And... Well, but also it's that thing of his he's completely unchanging. His, 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 his motivation will, will never change now. Yeah. He has spent not a couple of years mourning Christine. He has spent centuries doing it on this massive pursuit of power to bring her back. So this is essentially... Next to Dormammu, this is probably the strongest thing he's ever going to face. Yeah. And he does a damn good job and puts him on a hell of a fight and we get some pretty... Am- like, the choreography in this show for the fight scenes has been pretty fun. Yeah. So far. 
standout, I think, for me is still like the the the, the wacky zany montage in the first episode. Captain yeah, the Captain Carter, Carter's beating the piss the out strongest of strongest fight stuff in this. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it's been rivaled now. Yes, because this fight is so inventive. It's nuts. Like the amount of like the animators went. We really have no limits here. Um, aside from like how much coffee we can stock in the kitchenette. Mm. So, let's go for it. Our only limits are time and server load. Yeah, rendering. pretty much. We get uh, Crimson Band the Citarac. Yay. Yay. Makes me happy. Makes me happy. Um, Love Crimson they, Bands. They go to town. <clears throat> Weapons of the Capes have a fight. And the, the, the Capes cape of, fight. And the Cape of Limitation gets fucking... Yeah, Strange just, just rips it to pieces. Yeah, burned away. That's like It no! screams as well. Yeah. That, we were on the couch going, No! Not the Cap! Um, but ultimately it ends in him beating the living piss out of Strange. Well, he, he briefly tries to sort of trick him through a hallucination. Yes. Which is real creepy when yeah. Christine fades away to reveal the other Strange. And he's like, oh, fuck you. And just like <laughs> shoots him out to the next phase of it all. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, then, then he, 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 he wins. And he absorbs Doctor Strange. And, and the Doctor Strange Supreme is now like the most powerful thing in the cosmos. And is pretty fucking weird looking because all the creatures in him are kind of bubbling away. But he's also the only thing in the cosmos. Because after he saves uh, Christine, she takes one look at him and is like, The fuck are you? What is this? Oh my god, Stephen, what's happening? She fades away. Everything fades away. And he manages to cast a spell just enough at the right minute to remain in this tiny little bubble yeah surrounded by infinite nothing because there is nothing in his universe now it's all gone he done fucked up although not and he before, wails to himself not before he pleads the watcher yes who gets the two watcher. uh two like in scene appearances in this well the, the watcher because that senses really, the watcher earlier on well because the watcher narrates to us yeah and you see Steven like doing his spells and he just sort of stops and he's like, who's there? And he turns around and that moment was like, yeah. oh, oh, I got a little chill at that bit. I was like, oh, that's, mm, okay. So yeah, so that, that desperate plea at the end. And it makes sense because he's like so powerful at this point. Yeah. He, of course he's going to sense this thing that's on the outskirts of reality. His consciousness is expanding. But I love that the watch is like, mate, nah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Mike drop and fucks back off to another universe. You gotta chill your shit, boy. Yeah, boy. Have we seen the last of Doctor Strange Supreme? Nope. It feels like we've enough seeds have been sown that this series of, you know, um, well, also this is it, f- it is it is a, an anthology, but this is the first break in the format where the Watcher has become a part of the events. Yeah. Well, no, he hasn't. Well, he he stuck to his word. He'd never interfered. No, but he's been observed by. An incredibly powerful dark magician who's yeah. absorbed everybody. So um, they know someone knows he's out there now. That's true. Um, voice cast do a fantastic job in this. Again, special props to Benedict Wong. Brief appearances, but like it's Benedict Wong. Benedict Cumberbatch, great. Cumberbatch does a great job in this, yeah. and a great job differentiating between the two strangers. Like he's not yes. doing he's not doing a different voice. There is some like, but what's just, behind there are, the voices? There are some effects on there towards the end. Oh yeah, yeah. but for the most part, it is just his performance. And it's what it's what's behind the delivery. Yes. It feels like two completely different characters. Yes. Uh, massive props to Rachel McAdams for selling, like the actual warmth and soul of the story, yeah. because it really makes it more yeah. tragic when he, you know, 
goes further off the deep end, completely losing touch with like why he's doing this. He's doing this for love, not power, but he's lost sight of that along the way. Yeah. Um, loves his motivator, power is his goal. And uh, as opposed to the other way around. Um, Love it is his motivator in an elevator. Oh God! Now it it you know it did receive a bit of a mixed reception in regards to fridging, but I yeah, would but well, I would I argue that yeah, like yeah, yeah. we don't in this case it's an anthology it's a what if we yeah. don't we don't get the story if that doesn't happen there could be another motivator but we're all humans is there any motivator aside from like true love that would lead to such an extreme reaction from that character. I don't really think there is. He's not going to do that because like somebody ate his last Funyun. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not like I can't see the Doctor Strange who loses the use of his hands going that route. What if one dies? Oh god, then he blows the universe up immediately because his <laughs> life is not worth living. I can't live without one. <laughs> and uh, Tilda Swinton, of course, back as the ancient one. Um, doing Tilda Swinton. Doing Tilda Swinton and doing Tilda Swinton amicably, and 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 it's nice to see the ancient one again. Um... Yeah, I. I think it's the best episode. I was gonna say, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the one you've enjoyed the most. Yeah, definitely. Um, It's horrifying, isn't it? It is horrifying. It gets real creepy. Yeah, and I love that shit. You know, I love that shit. (laughs) Well, it gets creepy next week or this week for those who are listening to this after release, because you know what episode five is. Is it the zombies? Marvel zombies. I thought it was later in the series. Nope, Marvel motherfucking zombies, sir. They put two teaser posters out uh, today on social media for of uh, a cap zombie and a Hawkeye zombie. So. I guess we'll be talking about Zombie Hunter Spidey next week. Okay. With the cape. Yay! Yeah, the cape's back. Yay! I, I can dig it. Well, this cape's back. Um, this cape never went anywhere. This, this cape didn't back. scream in pain. Back, back again. again. Cape is back. Tell a strange. The cinema's back, Christopher. What? The cinema. What ho? Is back. How back is it? Because Shang-Chi has made a stunning debut. Both financially yeah. and critically. Well, I think we are at enough of a point now with vaccinations and everything that them just go in, this is theatrical only. Well, in Played response, absolutely in its favour. In response to Shang-Chi's opening weekend, uh, Sony have moved Venom up two weeks. But Venom was rumoured to be being pushed back into the new year. Because it was September. Yeah. And then it was October. And then on some places, October disappeared and became coming soon. But now apparently they've moved it up two weeks. So we're getting a what? Two weeks from now? Uh, let me double check. Or has it been moved up two weeks from its October reschedule? Uh, Basically, Sony have gone, yeah, we want to cash in on that uh, superhero cinema going audience right freaking now. That's what's happened. We might have to go and see Venom Let There Be Carnage together, by the way. Been pushed forward to October 1st. Yes, it's been, ah, so it's been brought back closer to its original release yeah. date. Okay. Uh, we need to go and see Venom Let There Be Carnage together, because I tell you now, Lou will not go see it. Okay, that's fine. Um, she that's will fine. not fuck. But then again, also October 1st, uh, I think That's I'm only a... confirmed for the US, not the UK yet, but it... Okay. Yeah, I'm... Oh, no, we... Mm. Yeah, if we saw it, if we get it, then we could record that weekend and put the episode out because the week that week after I'm away. Well, we'll look out near the time because I'm not going to be sure my schedule yet. Of course. Oh. But that's a conversation. Well, you got a job as an escort for mm. uh, flexible work, decent hours. He goes where the gentlemen and ladies demand. Yeah. Um, and only if they treat him kind. No kissing. No kissing, unless you pay extra. Um, <laughs> for the boyfriend experience. Uh, yeah. The cuddly so, boyfriend experience. Cuddly boyfriend experience. Um, I will feed you 
cabbage buns. Uh, so, <gasps> how much? <laughs> um, you can't afford me, dear. Uh, so, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Come on, let's actually talk about the thing we're supposed to be talking about. Well, it is the second um, coming. Jong Chi. Of Superhero Sunday. And The Legend of the Ten Rings. God damn right. The. 24th? Marvel let's movie? look it up, let's look it up, let's look it up. 25th! 25th, Jesus Christ. 25th. So. Is that more films than Bond? Can't be. Yeah. There's got to be more Bond films, surely. 20 Bond films. Mom's Hammer dies the 20th. Really? Yep. That doesn't feel right. That really doesn't feel well, right. Respect to the 20th. I'll look that up real quick. But go on, tell us, what is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings about? Spoiler-free thoughts. Uh... Where to start? Uh, so, uh, Sean is a valet in San, San Francisco? Yeah, uh, San Francisco. Yeah, San Fran. Because uh, of the hills. Um, we'll get to those. <laughs> and, so, all, and all the SFT uh, on the trams and buses. Yeah. San Francisco transport. Uh, him and his best friend, Kate, uh, living, the, living the best life, uh, getting pressure from friends and family to sort of make more of their lives because they're both super smart and accomplished, but they just want to hang out and be valets and sing karaoke and go to bars and, you know, have fun with their lives. Sort of chill the um, bean. You know yeah. I mean? Just late, chill late, late 20s, early 30s people doing late 20s, early 30s people things. Yeah. Um, and then... Arrested Development, the movie. And then... Uh, no Time um, Today is the 25th Bond film. Even! They're even. Bond 20, then. Bond 20 was Dying of the Day. That was 20 years ago. Jesus. Because I had my... Had big my head that, day. It must have been Bond 25, the big, mar- the big marketing thing. First uh, one. Yeah. yeah. Before it was, the title was announced. It must have been, I thought it was Bond 20. Um, so... Anyway. That's just the strength of the glue you prefer. Yeah. Haha, <laughs> Bondo 20. Uh, so. But Biostrip 10. Uh, so. <laughs> no one is going to get that reference. Uh, so. I appreciate it, it Here we go. Um, yes, a bunch of assassins attack him on a bendy bus to go after the pendant that his mother gave him. It turns out he's got a sister. And she's got one just like it that their deceased mother gave them. Mm-hmm. So. He's got to go after her. Only it turns out that their dad's after them. And their dad is the head of the Ten Rings. That terrorist organization that goes back as far as Iron Man. And they get caught into a whole thing of... I think your mother's still alive and we have to go and save her. But this guy's a bit... Megalomaniacal. And Chong and his sister Jialing don't trust him. And so things go from there. Basically, it's a family drama. It's a family drama. With, with punching. With lots of punching, lots of kicking. Uh, just some just some fucking dope martial arts action. Good God, yeah. Like, Mostly just, in, the f- in the first half, it is like scary good. This is the best choreography, the best fight choreography of any Marvel movie, hands down. I mean, it's a Marvel um, movie, it's a superhero movie. The second half, the fights get a little flashier and more visual effecty. Mm. But the like, the just raw, fist based and like kick based action. The raw fist and razor fist based. Yeah, in the first kick, half kick, is like <laughs> some of the most. Um, I was not to say the other action scenes aren't impressive, but like the first half is like, oh my god, good shit in here. We got some set pieces galore, fine ass shit. and plenty of stuff the trailers did not spoil. They were very oh, yeah. good. They were very restrained mm. with the marketing on this, which I really appreciate it because I went into the movie not knowing a ton about it and. 
boy, did it give me lots of stuff. Um, it's it gave great. You, gave you the vapors. Such a great cast. Simi Liu is brilliant in the lead. Aquafina's yeah. a great. Uh, oh, instant star. I know obviously yeah. he's been around. He's been doing stuff for you know, Kim's convenience and everything. Yeah. But you know, they're just as an action star. Like the the level of charisma that he's oozing is nuts, and it, and it's it's that kind of reluctant hero charisma. Yeah, it's, it's sort of um, a bit Harrison Fordy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's that kind of yeah. like yeah, I'm, I guess I'm dealing with this then. Like it's that yeah. kind of vibe, and then being effortlessly cool while reluctantly dealing with this right, thing. Let's pull up this cast list and, and, and shout out a couple of uh, a couple of the cast. Aquafina as Katie yeah. is Aquafina is great. Is a big 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 plus because. We were saying before, like, Lucy and I sort of had that vibe going in of like, oh, is it going to be the comedy best mate and it's just over eggs and the pudding? Uh, no, and it's she, the perfect she kind balance. kind of is. She starts as that, but they do a little bit more with her, which is nice. Oh, yeah. They, um, they find the right balance. I think it's because of her and Simu. Like, they have yeah. such a wonderful um, rapport. Like, they are absolutely, um, you know... <laughs> They are absolutely frogs from the same box of mad full of fro- box full of mad frogs. Like they are the same like um, wavelength in terms of you know, like their attitude, like the way they've grown up together. They've rubbed off on each other incredibly in terms of you know just how much how lax they are, but how genuinely lovely they are. But they're also you know big teenagers essentially. They're big yeah. kids like playing at adult only as much as they have to, so that they can earn money and just hang out and shoot the shit. And and then of course like. When things get upended, and she learns that actually her best mate Sean, who's not even called Sean, yeah, has a lot more that he's never told her about his life. She never plays it as like I can't believe you betrayed me. She plays it as like, a, I'm so mad you never told me. Yeah. B, we got to sort this out. Come on, like Let's go I'm your best mate. Let's get it sorted on an adventure. Um, she's um, wonderful, I and mean, like you said, in the more sincere moments, it works brilliantly. Uh, apparently, based on the the comic book character Katie Bashir. Don't know her. Um, I'm wondering whether or not it's a uh, Shang-Chi spin-off character. Oh, Avengers Arena. There's an Avengers Arena character. Oh. Apex. Didn't read it. Uh, the character wasn't around very long. They were killed by Death Locket in Avengers Arena number 18. Oh. So it's more of a... I mean, there's a lot of that in this film where they sort of take characters from the comics and amalgamate them into yeah. new characters. And generally do interesting things with them. Yeah. Yeah, and it, again, so so if you're looking for a film to compare this to, it's sort of like it's kind of like Iron Man meets Doctor Strange. Yeah, for me, it's a, it's a really good solid origin story that adapts the yeah. comic book material in ways that aren't so derivative that you go, well, what was the point then? But in ways that make you go, you know, for a, for a motion picture and this length and the story that works. That yeah. works for me. It, it goes with the Iron Man thing, of course, of uh, merging its villains to create a new villain. Yes. Uh, namely, the incredible Tony Leung as uh, Wen Wu. Yes. Who is an amalgamation of Shang-Chi's dad in the comics, with a very problematic name. Yes. Um, who has been renamed since so that they don't use that, yeah. but still. Yeah. Um, and the Mandarin. Yeah. Uh, the Iron Man villain. Um who, again, different writers have found ways to make that a less problematic thing. Because these are all characters that were born out of a certain era of American fiction, specifically an era that lent into, because of tensions between countries and wars and things like that, um, the Yellow Peril, like, slightly... Not necessarily, like, anti-Asian or anti-Chinese propaganda, 
I mean, it was at the time. No, no, but like when the characters like then continued, it wasn't this, uh, yeah, it wasn't this yeah. ongoing thing of propaganda, but it was this thing of, uh, do you have to keep calling them this, or do you have to keep using that design? Or now, over the years, obviously, writers have really changed it. You know, the Mandarin is often cited as Iron Man's greatest nemesis, but there's not that many stories featuring them in the last twenty years, and when they have been in a story. The writers like um, Matt Fraction, Kieran Gillen, Brian Michael Bendis uh, hasn't used him yet, but has suggested hinted at him. They've um, they've recontextualized him in a way to make it more about him being a warlord with an alien power source. Yeah, and and his motivations rather than his heritage or his background, and it's like good. <laughs> like, even the nineties animated series is like we're just gonna flat out make him more of an alien. He's just gonna be an alien instead. We're gonna make him green as yeah. well, and and everything, <laughs> and and then we're gonna lean into the Ming the Merciless. It's like maybe don't do that either. Maybe don't do that either. <laughs> maybe don't do that one either. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um. So yeah. Uh, oh God. <laughs> uh. And and the thing is, the the, the collaboration they come up with, in cr- the when when Wu the character works brilliantly in the same way that like Obadiah Stane, Whiplash, you know, like the. the it's taking these these villains of the Marvel universe, yeah, and creating one that works cinematically. But what what you also get with this, the two benefits you get with this take on scare quotes, the Mandarin, is you get a brilliantly deep story for a MCU villain in the first go. Like this isn't a Loki who develops as time goes by. Or, you know, like a Thanos who you build up to and then really give the centre stage. This is a this is a villain who, like, in one and in one and done is the best version of it it can be. Mm. And the second reason why that works so well is because Tony Leung is a fucking don. Absolute don. He basically got free reign from Marvel to be like you you make the character what you want him to be. Don't worry yeah. about you, you make it who you want him to be. And what he chose to be was a fucking Don. Fucking Don. He is intimidating. He is frightening. He is incredibly sympathetic. Um, he ha- he gets to showcase a warmth that I was not expecting. But that's because the character's story arc was not one I was expecting. And it's a little... It's a, sp- it's a story that could be considered a bit trite and a bit obvious doesn't feel like it because of how much he sells it yeah um it is freaking wonderful and we'll go into it in spoilers but yeah he's great he's he's crazy crazy he's incredible the ten rings are a great again reinterpretation of the ten rings like the ten rings in the comics are literally ten alien rings that give the mandarin superpowers and they do different (laughs) things like one is the power of fire one is the power of earth and water and one is the power to control minds, and the other is the power to stop time. And in this, it's like, no, what they are is there are ten bracelets that effectively give you, like, super-powered sort of um, telekinetic abilities using the rings that are, like, next level. Like, you could probably... You could probably send the Hulk packing with these things. Yeah. Like, well... it's, it's, you give this to a mortal man... And this mortal man is now akin to a god. Is how they basically kind of interpret yeah, it in the opening it, of the it, film. It seems to be some sort of like energy <laughs> manipulation and redirection mm. kind of thing. It's and also it makes you live forever. Yes, it gives you immortality uh, <laughs> when you're um, wearing them. Yeah, and, and which 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 when you take them off, 
you don't suddenly like yeah, you not, don't suddenly last crusade no, no, this. You don't last crusade it. You you, uh, you you age slowly. Yeah. You, you you probably age at your natural. It's like you put a pin in it. Yeah. And then you age at your natural rate because he. But put a pin in that because we'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he's not the only antagonist. We get a few villains. Uh, there is there is something knocking at the door. It's not the Ghost Rider, but there is there is some some more demonic forces at play here mm-hmm. that. Are visually fucking gorgeous. We haven't seen the trailers, so again, spoilers. Yeah, uh, uh, Razor, we, Fist. Razor Fist is one of the uh, the main sort of um, Razor Fist. Um, they did Razor Fist. They did Razor Fist, and they, they did, did Razor, Razor Fist, Fist in a way where you're like, "All right, yeah, all right, <laughs> okay, I can, I can dig it." He's not played as a joke. Nope. Although he does get one of the funniest the, kind of are, um, switch mo- switch room moments there in the are film. A couple of good moments of comic relief surrounding Razor Fist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we get the Death Dealer. Who uh, is one of presumably many who've had the name over the years? Yeah, or it's the same guy. We're never told. Much, very much a, uh, a a side character. Oh yeah, absolutely. Is is that's the henchman henchman? Yeah, Razor Fist is the the henchman that sort of gets a little bit to do. Uh, the Death Dealer is the henchman henchman, but Razor Fist is Bob through, through some great visual story. And yeah, the Death Dealer is all the other Joker henchman. Yes, yes. That's there you go. There it is. Death Dealer is the one who get who Batman. Uh, uh, flexes his thighs and slams his head into a bell. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's death deal. Um, that's my favorite moment in that movie. <laughs> just when he just the guy peers over and Batman just swings his legs up, grabs him, smacks his head into the bell, and drops him down the bell tower. It's very good. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Um, um, but yeah, so so the death dealer is a great design and gets a nice bit of non-verbal background that makes a certain moment really effective in the movie. Mm. Um. Uh, yeah, so so that's that's sort of it for your antagonists, for your villains. Um, unless there's anyone I'm forgetting. Uh, Without getting into spoilers, of course. Yeah, because well, there yeah, are, yeah. There are some there are some casting characters in the film that we can't really talk about without getting into spoilers. Yeah, I mean, we can talk we can talk about Jai Ling a bit, can't we? Um, yeah, Meng Zhang playing her. She does an incredible job. She is. I saw a lot of criticism going into this non-spoiler stuff that said like her character almost feels like she's been sidelined because she's absolutely on the same level as Shang and and uh, in terms of her stature, her position, her connection to the narrative and the family mm. at the core of it. Watching the film didn't hit me that way because do you know what her storyline was? That she's always kind of been left to the side. Yeah. That's so, that is her story. It's, so as the film progresses, you see her kind of coming out of that position. And I'm thinking... So I didn't mind it because it was like, no, she's playing someone who's so frustrated she's never been given the chance. Yeah. And not in like a, I hate my brother, he's the chosen one. That's not the narrative. It's, I was ignored. I was abandoned. All this time. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm annoyed at him because he never came back for me. Yeah. Um, and, and then, yeah, again... We'll get into spoiler territory, but there's a lovely PS to her story. We go, okay, okay, um, uh, shit. Okay, what, what else can we? What else can I we think talk we have to about? Get spoilers without without. I mean, yeah, there's there's the let's get. Oh 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 god, shit, Michelle Yeoh as, as Ying as Ying Nan. Just know that she's amazing. Um, who plays who plays their mother in the flashbacks? Um. Oh god, I'm trying to look her up. Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? Because she's amazing, and I want to give her a shout out. Uh, let me. She's her absolutely up. amazing. Uh, Fala Chen. Fala Chen. I, do you know what? Funnily enough, I think that's my favorite performance in the movie. Mm. 
because she made me really care about her and made it made you feel that loss of her not being around anymore. Yes. Like you really Absolutely. feel it. And she's wonderful with the child actors and she's great with Tony the Young. She ah, oh, Fala Chen. I believe so, yeah. Special shout out to Fala Chen. Like incredible. Um Yeah, see I'm looking at the I'm looking at the the wiki cast list and she's not on it. It's really weird. It's like they've gone, eh, spoilers. It's like, but it's not. Like, she's part of the goddamn plot. That's so annoying. Anyway, um... I'm so sorry. Yeah, how dare you? How dare you not edit the Wikipedia correctly? I'm so sorry! Also, spe- special shout-out to uh, Ronnie Chiang as John John. That was a really yes. nice... That was a really nice little... Uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's that's more, a good, more, that's of a, a good more of a cameo role. than anything, is it? He's in, like, two minutes of the film. And uh, yeah, but he's great. He's fucking funny. Great. And he suits that hairstyle. Yes, like he really suits the hairstyle. Really does. Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of there's a couple of crazy rich Asians uh, alumni in this. So. Yeah, if you um, love Marvel origin stories, and you're like, we've not had one for a while, really, um, hmm. and you like them strong, you like them with really good visuals, gorgeous choreography, and ultimately a very likable, perfectly selected cast. No one's out of place in this. Everyone is fucking excellent in their role. To the point where, when we sort of, you know, not a spoiler, but you can kind of guess, see outside elements of this universe in your post-mid-credit scenes, they felt out of place. Yeah. Because it was like, no, hang on, this is the movie we're in. And you suddenly get reminded, oh wait, there's a bigger universe. Now, I don't necessarily think that's because, like, you know, this film's super self-contained in every possible way. No. There are there are allusions to the the universe that's been going on. Yeah. Um, one note, well, not spoiler, but, like, one thing I thought was brilliant is when he's headed back to his apartment at the start. Uh, no, he's headed to Katie's family's apartment for breakfast, yeah. which is such a great detail that he stops off every morning yeah. for breakfast. And even though they're kind of like, for God's sake, you just, you just come up for breakfast. They all clearly like him enough. They're like, yeah, sure. Like, why not? Like, I'm going to dish it for you. I don't mind. Because mm-hmm. he's such a nice guy. He's like, God damn it. Um, uh, the posters on the wall included one for uh, 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 people who felt, yes, felt they'd lost su- their place after the blitz. Support blip, groups for both post blitz. Yeah, brilliant. Um, they're really they're really keeping. I the thing the thing that I've really liked about the Marvel films as they've gone on is they is they built the universe and they're keeping it fleshed out. With little yeah. background details. Like that. And it, just, it doesn't it dominate, it's just there. No, it's just there. And, and that's why I think this feels like, why when the rest of the universe does appear, you're like, hang on, what, wait, what? It kind of feels a bit odd. Because the closest I can compare this one to in the rest of the movies is, again, Iron Man yeah. and Doctor Strange, which both are their own self-contained story. And then your mid-slash-post-credit scene yeah. suddenly slaps you in the face with, by the way, there's a bigger world involved. Yeah. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. Obviously, in Doctor Strange's case, it was it was more here's a sneak peek of yeah, yeah his next basically. appearance in another movie. But oh look, there he is in a scene with Thor. Oh, of course, this is part of a series, and that's how this felt in the mid credit scene. It was like oh yeah, I guess this of is course. part of a series. Um, I really recommend it. I it's think if you good. if you enjoy the MCU stuff, yes. I think if you're looking forward to some, if you're a bit you're finding it a bit stale and you're looking forward to a bit of a refresh, yes. Yeah, I think this is the. F- because it's the, it's the first it's not the first Phase 4 movie but I think it's the first Phase 4 movie that's a good entry point yeah 
Black Wid- Black Widow is fun, but it's it's not the start of a series. This is self-contained enough to be sort of a jumping-on point. Yeah, and um, I think which I, I, I think, think it, by design. I think it, yeah, I think it's. You know, I've I've seen other, uh, especially American journalists as well, comparing it in terms of how it's being received over there at the moment. To unfortunately, because of the way being hampered because of pandemic and some people yeah. not feeling safe going back to the cinema yet and everything, but it's being compared to the early stages of sort of how Black Panther was unfolding. It's yeah. it's it's not just a really exciting movie, but there is a cultural movement happening around yes. it that is like so joyous. Because it's, it's the first, uh, I think it's the first proper Asian American superhero, uh, Asian lead superhero movie, American produced. Yeah, and now. And what's brilliant is there's sort of a mix of sensibilities in terms of the storytelling style when it comes to homaging, like, Asian cinema and everything. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's, I mean, for Christ's sake, there's a fight scene toward the very opening that more than once there's a couple of moves that are very much like, that's a nod to Crouching Tiger. It's very Crouching Tiger. That's a nod to Crouching Tiger. There's a lot of Crouching Tiger hidden dragon in this. And and it's like, and, and again, read a review, see if it's a good movie. We've not seen it. But, like, maybe go also see Snake Eyes and let the box office, like, gods know that, yeah, we we do want to see more, like, diverse cultures. Do we want and, to see and... Snake Eyes? No, but you know what I mean? Like, now, if ever there was a time to prove to the completely blank-slated, moronic, money's-the-only-factor element of Hollywood... That's true. You now have two Asian-American productions with Asian-American leads... Or, well, seemingly is Canadian, um, but like you know, you Harry Golding's British, I think. Uh, oh damn it! But the point is, like now is your chance to sort of like vote with your wallet and make a point. Um, not saying it will change the world, but it won't hurt. Uh, won't and I think Shang Chi's already on the way to doing that, based off the fact that yeah, it's gone pretty well. It, there was a potential for it to ugh, a fucking word that the internet loves to use, flop, but only in the sense that it would underperform monetarily. Because of the circumstances, like Black Widow did. It underperformed monetarily thing... because of the circumstances. Guess what? More people are vaccinated, more people are feeling confident about going out. Yeah. And people, namely not white people, have been waiting for some fucking representation at this level for a long time. People are turning up for this movie. Mm. So, help out if you can. We recommend going to see it. Obviously, if you have massive anxieties about going back to the cinema at the minute, do not risk your anxiety or your mental health for this, or for your physical health based on where you are on that. Like, no, it's 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 not as important as your health. But if you're feeling comfortable, you can get to a quiet screening, whatever you need to do. This gonna make you feel pretty fucking good for two plus hours. Yeah, um, it, it's great. Spoilers! 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 Massive spoiler warning! Giant, big old cuck full of spoilers flopped out on the table in the middle of a meeting. It's inappropriate, but it's there and you have to avoid it! But I guess the biggest thing we have to talk about is the brilliant return of Ben Kingsley. Oh, fucking sideways. Like, I knew he was in it. I'd seen that he was on the cast. But it was heavily downplayed. It was one yeah. of those like he's not also on the, also he's, he's not on any of the, the cast block on the posters. Oh no no no, that. which is done on purpose. Yeah, meaning he is now he is now the participant of two twists in MCU movies. He's a twisty twist twist. He this time him just being in it was a twist. Yeah, which is genius. Um, but yeah, no, he 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 was always mentioned as like uh, oh um, Ben Kingsley's reprising his role as Trevor Slattery. Yeah, 
And it's like, okay, interesting. I wonder what that's going to be. And then they have the scene at the, in the middle, which again, like Black Widow, my favourite scene out of both movies was the scene where the families are sat at a table. Yeah. And it's all about the tension and yeah. the history between them. But there's that throwaway mention where like, uh, when we talks about the idea that the names, the, like the names we are born with, the names we are given yeah. are important. The names we choose, that's, that's, that's facsimile. That's, that's yeah. fancy dress. Like, the names we are given are important to us. Even, and he's like, even if we're being named after an orange. Which is, yeah, because he says, because he, he sort of, he doesn't deny that he's ever been referred to as the Mandarin, but he he scoffs at the fact that someone tried to interpret him yeah. and imitate him. Because obviously he's not, like, known-known, but the legend of the Ten Rings yeah. is a thing you can read about. And the Ten Rings, the terrorist organisation, are like, oh, they're based off the legend. Yeah. And this film confirms that, now they're sort of offshoots of this. Yeah. Of this, I, I guess. Pretenders. Yeah, I guess terrorist cell. Like yeah. they are a terrorist cell because he's yeah. about conquering. He's not been doing it for a long time. The implication is that sort of since maybe the seventies was like the last time he made any moves. Well, whenever because you sort of see in that montage like a like a suitcase bomb and stuff and all. Whenever that. he settled down with Lee. Yes. Is when. He... Well, that was the nineties. Yeah. Ninety six. So. Which which put which puts it at the right time because when because when um, between then because when the death. Sean made his joke earlier on like in high school like someone was bullying him calling him Gangnam, Gangnam yeah. Style and he had to say to them like I'm not even Korean and we get the, we get the first setup of the fucking excellent Hotel California brilliant. running gag brilliant um, when he does that I was like hang on wait a minute he would he would have been in high school and Gangnam Style came out and then I thought back to it I was like oh, Gangnam Style was 2013 2013 2014 the the Psy song. He was fourteen when he went. So if he was born, if he was born in ninety seven, yeah, then what two thousand seven? Yeah, he would have been in high school, and he now would be in his mid to late twenties. Yeah, he'd be twenty. He should. He should be twenty four. Yeah, that makes sense. He he went. He went on. His dad sent him on his first mission to kill someone at fourteen. Fourteen. Okay, yeah. Which he. We find out that he did. He did. He says he did. He said he didn't at first. Because that's something in the film later as well. On, he it, reveals that it, he did do it. it and Tarantino's. Yeah. Like it Pulp Fictions. Like the story is told. Yeah, uh, actually, do you know what the closest superhero movie this is to really? Batman Begins. Yeah. Like it, it, it's got that whole, you know, like yeah. you're watching it out of order. I mean, in this, it's there is a linear story. And the two at kids the heart playing, of it, playing but it the goes younger, back and forth. And the younger Shonga, great. Yes. Them. They both um, did an amazing job. But yeah, so, so um, yeah, we find out he did kill... Uh, Gangnam Style rewind. Uh, Gangnam Style reference. Him age age. How old he is? Twenty four. Twenty four. like why was why was I going why years. was I going on to age? I was going on to age because of uh, I was in the Mandarin. Yeah, we were talking about the family dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he could have been he could have been called the Mandarin at some point. But he makes a point of saying like it shows like how quick to f- quick to frighten America is that they were scared of an orange dish. Yeah, and it's like that is funny. That is very funny, and it, the whole point of him um, mentioning that is bringing up like you know, it, it, the whole point of him bringing it up was like, you know, wh- who we are, who we are taught, who we are born as is important, and you shouldn't like falsify it, and you shouldn't let other people falsify yeah, it, yeah, because he or cause take your name or or whatever. He sort and of it's just a very Katie a little because the thing with Katie is she sees herself as more American than Chinese. Oh, yeah, so you can't really yeah, hair in your eyes. Her Chin- her oh Chinese, god, it was stuck to your head. Sorry, oh, sorry. Her Chinese just, is terrible. Just just, for, those, for those who want to know the folks going on, I just looked at Matt and I was like, "Oh, the hair is about to go in his eye." Yeah. It was attached to him still. Her, it was her, just a long hair. Her Chinese is terrible, and she doesn't use her Chinese name. Yeah. So, and which is how he comes onto the subject. But um, yeah, but, it's, but, but uh, Jaden Zhang and Arnold's son are the, are the two younger. They do an amazing job. Great. Um, but yeah, um, so, so I thought that's it. There's your throwaway reference. We're probably going to get yeah. some kind of 
Joker support because canonically, Trevor Slattery, actor, paid in lovely, lovely drugs um, to play the role of the Mandarin, uh, the leader of the Ten Rings, in a staged terrorism plot that was secretly being led by Aldrich Killian and AIM. Yeah. And uh, is revealed halfway through. Spoilers for Iron Man 3 from eight years ago. Yeah. Oh God, it's been eight years eight since years. Iron Man 3. Um, it's revealed that Trevor Slattery is an actor and it's all scripted and it's all staged, but it's because America needs to be looking this way while Aldrich Killian is doing stuff yeah, they need a over boogeyman. here. They need a boogeyman, yeah. And, um, and then you get the really controversial statement where Aldrich Killian is like, you want the Mandarin, I'm the Mandarin. Which, in the film, and I always took it this way, it's just him saying, like, you want the boogeyman. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's me. I'm the boogeyman. But also he's got a bit mad. But he's also got a bit mad, and he's also got a giant Chinese dragon tattoo on him. It, that's sort of like, is this them going, see? He's the Mandarin, no, kind of. I, I think it's just kind of that he's the kind of white dude prick who'd get a giant yeah. Chinese dragon tattooed on him and... Yeah, so, but a lot of people took it as, oh, he's soon as the Mandarin, that's not the Mandarin. And it's like, so then we get uh, Hail to the King, which is one of the wonderful, much missed. I'm and sorry, I missed it. And suddenly him. appeared on Disney Plus. I've decided putting them on there. That one is. Oh, they better put all the one shots on there. I'll check if any of They are brilliant. Yeah, because we've got uh, The Consultant, Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Thor's Hammer, mm. um, Agent Carter, Hail to the King, uh, Item 47. That's a really fun one because that's a little bit of expanded thing. He was sit well, yes. And, 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 the, and the couple that are using the stolen Chitauri check to like rob banks, then show up in Agents of Shield. They play a couple of the uh, the you know the sort of the staff that you touch base with in a couple of episodes. So it's like that's a nice little callback. Like they've gone, well, we need a couple of agents in this scene to have a couple lines. Should we bring back the actors from that show? Yeah, fuck it, why not? It's like that is brilliant. I think it's just all hail the king. Oh god. If you've not seen it, it's on Disney Plus, go give it a watch. It's a short film where basically uh Scoop McNary, who's another one who's crossed the universe. Yeah. Scoop McNary plays I can't remember his name now, but he's a character as well. Like he's actually a Marvel character. Um he uh he is interviewing Trevor Slattery in prison about the Mandarin stuff. He's apparently been interviewing him for a week. Mm. Um we learn about Trevor's prison life, about how he's doing all right. Like when he's threatened, the majority of the prison rise up to defend him because basically they like him. They yeah. like him a lot. He's, he, he, he scared the world. So the people who are like bad guys are like, do you know what? Fair play to you, mate. Like you terrified the planet. Like you made everyone frightened of you. Respect. And then you've got the other people who are just like, do the voice, do the voice. Oh my God, wow. <laughs> so, so he's, he's got a comfortable cell because ultimately, obviously he wasn't a violent criminal and no. he's probably been giving them, info- he's probably been giving the, 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 the inf- you know, law information about Aldrich Killian's operations. Yeah. So he's, he's living fairly comfortably in prison. Much to the chagrin of Justin Hammer, who's in the same prison mm. and really annoyed about it. <laughs> Sam Rockwell cameo, yay. Um, and getting uh, Justin Hammer back, that's what I want to know. Oh, Armor Wars. Wars. Fingers Amor bloody Wars. cross. Starts Don Cheadle all these. Um, so damn. Well, I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. Damn. I didn't like that. Damn. No, it was like damn. Isn't like. I can't replace good, 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 good. You know, place love. Like, yeah. well, oh, I can't believe. No, that was a, that was more. That was more like damn. I'm so glad you showed me that. It's really. It, it's tough, isn't it? It's Are they? Right, yeah. It's got to be a bit. It's, it's got to be a bit. It's got to be a bit. We've got good rapport. Um, but anyway. Uh, Oh shit! Uh, yeah, so uh, but then you find out that Scoop McNary is actually there on behalf of the Ten Rings. Yes. Who 
basically say that my boss, uh, you took his name and he'd like to have a word with you. Mm. So that's how that short ends, which was sort of like sad because it's a really funny short and then it ends with like, oh no, Trevor's going to die. But, au contraire, love. He, um... Not only he... is Trevor alive. Yeah. Not only is Trevor alive because he charmed them by being hilarious, by like just basically blurting out Hamlet. But, yeah, but Beth, I think. Yeah, yeah, just in front of them and it made them laugh. Not only did he make them laugh enough that he's got, albeit yes, a bit of a dark room underground, but it's a comfortable room. With a makeup with desk. Makeup table, costume, props, and a Liverpool FC scarf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they've obviously exhausted it for him. They've gone, yeah, go on, we'll get you that. Not only that, not only is he clean and fucking sober. Yeah, they got him clean. Because he's got no lovely, lovely drugs anymore. Yeah. Um... So we're seeing Trevor at, like, actual functioning full capacity. Which it turns out isn't that much different from... Still an idiot, but, yeah. but an idiot who's yeah. a lot... <laughs> <laughs> the conversation later About on... About Planet of the Apes. <laughs> he still believes that the apes in Planet of the Apes were actual apes. That were acting. They weren't riding horses, though. They didn't get those apes to ride horses. They were acting at riding horses. <laughs> fucking hell. It's very good. And I love that that builds on Hail to the King as well, like because it's his first yeah. taste of theatre. Like he, he does his first theatre show when he's a kid. And this this story's about him going to the cinema and it's before that first theatre show. Yeah. And it's and again, it's his mum took him. And that's a whole thing in Hail to the King. And it's like, God, this is so well done. This is so well done. Everything complements everything else. But also, his role in the movie, the director has gone on record as saying the reason why they decided to bring back Trevor... Yeah, isn't just as a, a nod uh, to Iron Man three and the, you know the first version of the Mandarin in the, in the MCU, but the fact that they kind of wanted to acknowledge somewhere in the film, even though they've avoided it by making this amalgamated character for Tony Leung to play. Yeah, they still wanted to acknowledge somewhere in the film that yeah, it was kind of shit that for years a bunch of mostly white privileged guys used this yellow peril character. Yeah. And it's not like a dig at, you know, Stan Lee or any of the any of the editors at the time or any of the writers, but it's the thing of it's shit that this happened. Yeah. It's shit that like it went unchallenged for so long. And it's shit that they were of a mentality where they didn't think it was wrong at the time. Yeah, it's so very... let's have a white character in this basically apologize for yeah. doing it. Who have we got that makes it oh shit, we have the fake Mandarin. Perfect. The Fanderin. And that's the Foderin. The Mandarin. That's better. The Mandarizzi? Fonderin. Fonderin. Mandarizzi, or isn't it? Mandarizzi. There you go. Hey, that's the one. Um, Print it. But, like, it, it's perfect. And then by bringing him back into the story, they then went, do you know what? We don't just need to make this a cameo. Yeah. Because you kind of think that's given... what it's going to be, don't you? Like, yeah. you hear that they're, they're locked into the cellar at the compound, and you hear this these guttural noises and it's obviously played off as like there's, there's something down there mm. with them and about three noises and I just turned to Lou and I went it's vocal warm-ups and she went I don't understand what you mean I'm like it's not a monster it's not a monster I know who it is because by that point I was like oh my god it's Kingsley it's Kingsley's voice it's Kingsley's fucking voice um, 
And it's wonderful to see him play it. It, it. He's sort of in a very zen place compared to where we've seen him before because yeah. he is clean and he's got he's got like really lovely silky hair. Which at first I'm like, is that a wig he's wearing? And then for the, he's, it's for the rest of the film, you're like, no. Oh right, he's just actually grown his hair out. Okay, sure. And he's got like a little a little very sort of stereotypical Shakespearean little thespian beard going on now instead of his big full beard. Yep. Um. But he also thought that he thought that he was relapsing. Because right, he, thought he, he thought he was like having like acid flashbacks. Acid flashbacks because somehow in the in the cell with him, uh, and presumably it's just been left down there because uh, Wenru doesn't want to kill it, but he also doesn't want to look at it because it's a reminder. Yeah. Uh, is a little creature based off of actual like folklore. Um, uh, sort of creatures. I can't remember what it's called now, but I looked this up and they're, they're sort of seen as... Yeah, that's what I'm trying to find now. They're, they're seen um, as like uh, elements of uh, elements of chaos is what they're referred to as. Um, yeah, I can't... But, but long story short, it's this tiny little... <laughs> it's described! Hang on, I'll find it. Because Dee Bradley Baker does the voices for it. Yeah, Morris. Little Morris. Um, it is... Uh, Katie describes it as a chicken pig. Yeah. Which I think is pretty accurate. It's yeah. basically... You know when you see a really fluffy little dog? Yeah. And it rolls on its back and you get to tickle its belly. Imagine an animal that's just all fluffy little dog belly. Mm-hmm. But it's got six little paws and uh, four little sort of like fairy wings sticking out of its back. <laughs> that's Morris and I wonder I, I haven't figured it out yet if someone else has figured it out please let us know tweet us at Big Damn Cast. Morris has got to be a reference to Summit it's got to be a reference to like something Scouse it has to be is it just like a common Liverpoolian name I from a certain era I think it's just a name for a, a little chicken pig thing <laughs> uh, but and I Trevor can talk it to it yeah. he's been around it long enough that he understands him and, well, it's, it's, and it's little well of course it's from Tallow so yeah. it's magical yeah. in nature. Um, fuck me, that entire second act leading into the third act is so, so good. And again, I wasn't slagging off the second half earlier on. Like It's just the most impressive fight stuff is the stuff that's done with fisticuffs and less visual effect, obvious visual effects earlier yeah. in the film. Mostly down to the choreography team, one of whom um, passed away uh, uh, recently and is, is uh, the film is accredited to yes, them at the end. Brad Allen. Um, but the, uh, the, the, the whole team that works on the choreography do such an excellent job that like those fight scenes hit real different early on, like the one on the bus, like, you know, full well that there'll have been a practical bus set and then there'll have been like adjust the seats and barriers and handholds bus set. Mm. And they've just CGI'd the walls and the travel outside in later. Because there are some shots in this where he's like, Sean's like swinging around the poles in a way where you're like, yeah, you couldn't do that. You couldn't do that in a real bus without the margin forever being so wide (laughs) that you would break your star's legs. Because he does most of his stunts. Yeah. Simu Liu fucking gets so many like close ups and wide shots where you go, it's It's so good. Yeah. You're like, that's him. That's actually him. And again, that's, again, not to knock stunt performers. Like, they are obviously stunt performers used in the movie and they do amazing work. And they always do amazing work. But it's just cool to be like, that's the actor. That is him. Holy shit. Like, there's a 
there's a few in the final fight where it's like, yeah, that's not Tony Leung, that's, that's a stunt performer. But, like, you know, give him a break. He is, uh, let me see, uh, da, da, da. unlike Wenwu, he is 59 years old. Which, now that I read that out loud, I'm amazed by. Yes. Because the dude does not look a day over, like, 40. And I don't think that's through Marvel Digital Magic. No. That's just Tony Leung. That's good living. That's some good living. That's some good living and being a goddamn Don. Again, mm-hmm. he's a fucking Don. Um, God, I just I think for spoilers, we should just point out random things, really, and talk about them. Uh, so. Uh, uh, Razor Fist having his own personalised number plate. Fucking hell. And and his name spray painted all over the side of the goddamn yep. uh, vehicle. And, I'm try- and also the playlist on his car had some fucking tunes on it. Yeah. Um, uh, Underground Fight Club. Although, it's the least underground underground fight club I've ever seen. So because it's she, literally not underground. It's like on the it's like on the fiftieth <laughs> story of a seemingly always being worked on skyscraper, which I think is a really nice mm. detail. Like no one assumes that anything is happening in there because it's under construction. Um, That's very good. Uh, the Golden Dagger is the name of her fight club. Which is a reference to the organisation that she runs in the comics. And uh, her right-hand man, John John. Mm-hmm. Ken Ronnie Cheng. Being obnoxious as fucking hilarious. Um, so, basically, there is a giant market in a post-blip world for super-powered fights streamed on the dark web and people take bets. Yep. There are smaller fights going on in like basically cell-sized rooms. In which we see a black widow going up. We against see a black widow going up uh, against powered. someone with the extremist uh, virus. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that's a that's a, a small time fight. He's going to explode at some mm-hmm. point. <laughs> so you've got that. You've got. Um, I'm sure there was another one in there that was like, hang on, that's a thing from a thing. I mean, there's there's a sumo in one of them. Who I'm like, okay, that's fun, but like, it's super powered or special speciality skill fights. Yeah, is that a reference to Fat Cobra? Possibly. Who, well, who's well, a martial artist and like an ancient fucking martial artist in the in the Marvel universe? Who, <laughs> who is a massively heavy set guy? Yeah. Who usually has his hair up like in the sort of the sumo bun, and he has like you know usually a little beard, and and he he's again a really fun character. And play completely straight, but it's just that really cool visual of basically Sumo walking around and being like, I'm basically immortal and I'm one of the most important elements in the structure of this universe. And I was like, <laughs> whatever. He's like, yeah. <laughs> ah, that was funny. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> so I wondered if that was a reference to Fat Cobra because I was like, why would you throw a Sumo in there unless they're super powered? <gasps> oh my God, what if he was one of the super duper Sumos? <laughs> Let's never mention that cartoon again. Um, Let's. But the Black Widow, uh, interesting fact about the Black Widow. Finally found it. Um, uh, Black Widow's played by Jade Zhu, who was the Black Widow in um, in uh, uh, the main group at the end of Black uh, Widow, co- uh, credited as Helen. Okay. So it, even though you don't really see her, see her, it's yeah. one of those where it's like, holy shit! So after the events of Black Widow, which obviously was um, or eight, roughly eight years prior to the events we're seeing now in this film, because yeah. this film's setting like. 2023, 2024. Um, oh, yes, yeah, so that explain uh, Shang-Chi's age then. He's, he's like late 20s. 
Uh, well, he's supposed he, to be 24. Yeah, Infinity War... Infin- well, no, because... Inf- oh, it depends if he was blipped. Because Infinity War is 2018. Uh, everyone comes back in 2023. Spider-Man Far be... From Home is later in 2023. So this would have to be so 2024 is... or 2025. Yeah. Based on how, based on certain things in the mid credit scene that suggest some time has passed. Um, yes, and um, so yeah, this is yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so he's, he's, he's like maybe twenty eight then. Well, he's, unless he got blitz, unless he got blitz, he's explicitly twenty four in the film. Is he? Did he say he that? Goes missing on his after his first mission when he's fourteen. Yeah. and his dad lets him live in San Francisco for ten years. Ah, so I'm, ah, but what if he doesn't count the blip? Either way, he's still twenty four. Okay, so he, so he vanished in the blip. It's canon. Either way. It's canon. Either way. Uh, Shang-Chi vanished in the blip, damn it. Which is, <laughs> you know, astonishing because um, not only is a Simu Liu 34, yeah. 32, I think. Let me double check. Um, Unless Shang-Chi didn't vanish in the blip. 32. And when we was like, you're 24. And he's like, um, actually, Dad, did you disappear for five years? Simu Liu's 32. Yeah. And... Uh, Mega Zhang, who plays his younger sister, is 34. They both literally look like they're in their early 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Where is this fountain of eternal youth? And how have these two, Ryan Reynolds... Good genes, apparently. <laughs> oh, so I, I finally... I finally Anthony fa- Mackie. Who still looks like he's in his mid twenties? I finally looked it up, and um, Morris is a hundun. Yes, yeah, and, uh, and look at look at sort of the the, the kind of illustration. It is, it is it's, Morris. It is a flat out translation it to screen. A, it is a six legged lump. Tummy. A six legged tummy with four wings. Um, oh, we'll get we'll get into we'll get into the other creatures as well in a second, but um. Yeah. So so yes, you've got you've got superpowered fights happening on the dark web, but then they have the cage for the main events, which is like the big bets. Yes. And the fight that's happening when we get there is between Abomination and Wong. And I'll be honest, when I saw that I was like, right, hang on. Why? Do you know what I mean? Part of you thinks, well maybe Abomination's like because the implication is Abomination is completely stuck in that form. Yeah. Like at the, at, the end of Incre- at the end of Incredible Hulk, yeah. Tim Roth is stuck like that. He's not changing back. And here, he has, as you said, mutated further. And also, they mentioned, uh, the director's talked about it, he wasn't like the first choice. It wasn't like they went, we want this character and this character. They brainstormed just like, who should we have? What would look cool? And they'd already thought of having Wong in there just because the visuals of, of, you know, like, sorcerer magic in, in a cage fight would look really cool. And Betty Plus, Wong. by that point, they'd also started thinking about how the movie ends. Yeah. So they went, that makes sense. We'll see if Benedict Wong like can do it. We'll fit him in. We'll make it work. In in, in his words, he he was glad to be part of a, of a film that celebrated Asian excellence. Yeah. And, and also what, with Tony Leung, even though it doesn't share any scenes with him. Yeah. Just really what you <sighs> with Tony Leung. Just having a, having a CV. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then they went for Abomination because they thought that that would just look really cool, like a Hulk villain. Mm fighting a, a sorcerer would look really cool but also because of the future things that are planned for that character mm. and then they went can't say anymore now we know Tim Roth is in She-Hulk and he did do the voice work for this uncredited it's only grunts. yeah it's just grunts and it's uncredited but they have confirmed that yes that is Tim Roth doing the grunts 
So he's probably done it either just like a, we'll get in a studio to do some grunts or pre-production on She-Hulk. Yeah, While we we've have, got you, can, can we, we get some, some grunts? Yeah. Um, can we have some grunt roll, yeah. Abomination looks really cool. Fucking a li- really cool. A, a, little, a little Uncanny Valley. Like he was the old, but I think that's because he was the first like CGI thing yeah, we'd yeah. seen in There's the movie There's a lot of CGI point. creatures in this towards the end, but yeah. he is the first big one. And you can see the 2008 Incredible Hulk design in there. Yeah. It's just greener and he started to sprout gills and fins mm. along his face and back. Um, and he's wearing a little loincloth um, to cover up his modesty. Which, if you remember Incredible Hulk, doesn't have to. He's got no penis anymore. It's just a giant pelvis. Maybe he's maybe grown he's, one. Maybe he's got cloaca. Oh, good lord. Maybe his penis was the friends we made along the way. Mm. Um, but, so they have a fight, and what's great is we see, it's not, they're not in it much longer than they're in the trailer. Like, the scene isn't that long. But you have that bit where it, <laughs> they're scuffling, and Wong yeah. chides Emil yeah. for being too rough, and you're like, Wait, what? <laughs> and then you see him do that run up and go to punch him, which you see in the trailer. But what the trailer does is cut away a split second before Wong opens up a portal and Abomination's own arm then comes through and punches himself in the side of the head. Very good. And wins the fight. Um, but you're like, And then afterwards, they're having a bit of just sort of like, you know, banter in the locker room. <laughs> in the locker room? And then they head... And, 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 and like, Wong's like drinking a fucking energy drink and Abomination's toweling himself off. And then they go through a portal to, it seems to be some kind of like holding it pen or like holding cell. It looks like the holding cell that they make for Hulk in, in Avengers. Avengers. And they just go through there and then they leave. And there's no explanation. And it's like, well, the did, imp- did they the imp- throw the fight? Yes, is the implication is that they staged the fight and pocket the winnings. Which then implies that Wong is doing this in nice his spare time. time. It's fucking off to make money Which in cage is fighting. fucking great! It's like, what? Well, we know for all his stoicism, Wong has a bit of a wild side. I mean, he wouldn't say no to a tuna melt. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I fucking love it! <laughs> and it makes me wonder, does his, wild, does his wild side start because of his relationship with Steven? Because yeah. like when we, when, we, yeah, oh, when, maybe. We, when we first meet him in Kamataj, in, in Doctor Strange... He is just pure stoicism. And, and and in the final fight and that, like he's completely, he is a blank slate, you know, he a party, he's a party killer, like he doesn't give a shit. No, he's you, a badass. You do get that gag he, earlier on. But then you hear Beyonce. him listening to Beyonce yeah. after Strange has called him that. Yeah. So I'm wondering if in like the eight years since Doctor Strange... He's loosened up a little because of Steven. Yeah, and it's like I kind of like that because it's like the two of them have sort of informed each other. Because Strange has become a lot more, um, you know, knowing and a lot more like um, uh, he understands a lot more the weight of what he's doing as the Sorcerer Supreme, way more than he did in Doctor Strange. So it's like the two of them have kind of. Basically, we're getting to the point where they're going to become indistinguishable with the same person. Yeah. Because they just spend all their time together. Yeah. <laughs> Except when they're not. Because when they're not, Wong is <laughs> setting up random cage fights <laughs> and pocketing the, the cat. With the abomination. With the abomination, who he's probably like, getting out of a cell. Presumably has to break out of his... The, the of raft his or something. And he's like, come on. So I'll come and, do, and then he just... I'm probably just like, all right, I'll put your raft of the winds in an account for you. Exactly. Yeah, it's like... And yeah, because of course, like, cause then if the raft like, hang on, we've got all this black market thing, we found out on the dark web, like, you're taking part in cage fights. Like, how? How? 
I've not oh. had my cell. What are you talking about? Um, but also in his spare time, Stephen Strange is fucking up forget-me-not yeah. Spider-Man spells, so... which we'll find out more about in December. Basically, these two should not be allowed near magical powers. Fucking great. I love it. <laughs> but I love it. It's just like... It's just a, a, a nice little cheeky idea yeah. that they sort of go through. And I was like, oh yeah, this is... This, and it gives... The Marvel Universe carries on when you're not watching, folks. Yeah, like, and it just gives these characters a bit more... Sam has a family and they're having issues yeah. with their boat and everything. Like yeah. that's that's a plot and what Wanda's Wanda has gone off and done something pretty horrible so, and you're yeah. going to discover it as the story goes on and yeah it's um so the, yeah the general consensus is that this takes place after WandaVision. And yeah, because WandaVision takes place not that long after the events yeah. of Endgame and probably concurrently <clears throat> with Falcon and Winter Soldier or near yes. enough. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> that makes sense. Um. Of course, the only reason that fight is super brief isn't just because it's a fun gag, but it's to give the main focus to brother and sister reintroducing themselves to each other since childhood. With a cage fight. With a cage fight that is probably my... Not my favourite fight, but the one that got the most like... Oh, out of me. Like it is... Because it's one-sided. Like he's mostly also... playing the defensive, which then is called back later when Nan is like, you are your mother and your father. Yeah. But it's also one of the few Because she's noticing he's kind of taking his father's like stances because yeah. of the training. And that's when he... I love that the, the simple visual switch is he goes from f- bald fists to, to open the open hands. palm. Yeah. And you you see that merging of the two styles that we've now seen from her and obviously her late sister in the flashbacks and like what Shang's been doing up to that point. And how quickly he adapts yeah. and switches because it's not just about him being trained, but it's also about him having the natural talent as... The master of kung fu. Oh, it's not kung fu. They never say it, but they allude to it so much because they talk about how he's been trained to be like the uh, trained to be the perfect killing machine. He's been trained to be the perfect assassin. Yeah, you see that he's been taken through every possible um, sort of fighting style, specifically all the ones that, of course, the Mandarin and his like, uh, sorry, Wenwu and his like uh, uh, order have have learned over the years, which they've honed because of him over thousands of years. Wenwu is a thousand years old. Yeah. And it's like, oh shit, okay. And then obviously you have in his room when you see his, his apartment, he's got like Kung Fu Hustle posters mm. on his on his wall. Kung Fu Hustle posters, which is not to Guangbo, who plays the old dude in the... Uh, the Archer. In the, 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 oh, who gets some lovely moments and then gets fucking killed off! He's the landlord in Kung Fu Hustle. And that is really upsetting when he gets killed off. Yeah. Because you have this wonderful thing where like KE obviously wants to learn like the bow and arrow and he's sort of like, no, no, not happening. Okay, fine. All right, no, well sorry. done. And then they're, then they're about to go into the fight, and he's like, no. And it's not because he's like, girls can't do this, because this, this place yeah. is very much set up that that is not the mentality. It's like, you're it's, ready. You are going to die. It's not, it's not And then ready. she it's... kind of proves, proves to him, and he's like... And, yeah, and she's, sorry, the, she's characters, up. the character's name is Guangbo. Yeah. The actor's name is Yuan. There you go, yeah. yeah. And he, he, like, she, he, she's suited up, and he just sort of gives this look, and he just goes, don't die. Yeah. And he's like, come along. You can see that he's not going to be able to stop her. Oh, I love all that stuff. I love, 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 love that, you know, we are in the 21st century. Um, misogyny, misogyny and sexism still, of course, exists because this world sucks. Yeah. But it's not as strong uh, as systemically as it was, say, 100 years ago or yeah. what have you. But this film still makes a point of, like, saying this shit still exists. When Wu in the way that he runs his place is a prime example. Yeah, yeah. The only he, he's not like, you know, a stupid woman. He's just like, oh no, the women are a second thought. 
Yeah, yeah. Apart from like his his wife, like yeah. she's the one person who completely changes that. And it's like, yeah, he's lived for thousands of years. Of course, he's a massive misogynist. Yeah, of course, he's a fucking misogynist. But then you of course see the um, what's the name of the of the hidden city? Talo. Talo. Sorry, the hidden fucking dimension. It's a yeah. different universe. A with a gateway to another universe. It's a different. Isn't it? It's a different motherfucking timeline, motherfucker. They're, they're hitting the magic hard. Um, so, and, and like you get there, and it's not remotely a thing. No. At all. No. Because why would it be? Like, why the fuck would it be? And it's like brilliant, brilliant. And it's sort of it's those little coded things that's like yeah. really say to you, the audience. Yeah, this is basically the perfect place. Um, this should, is the perfect place to exist. We should move it along a little bit because we're coming up on two hours and you've got some stuff to do. Oh yeah, shit. Um, so I've got to make uh, dinner for. Yes. Uh, so in Darkness is the big villain. Yes. The big bad. Yeah. Literally the big bad, and we get a a big dragon versus Lovecraftian monster fight. Be honest. When they were setting up the Dweller of Darkness, was it crossing your mind? that we might actually be getting Mephisto at this point. No. Because it hit me. when they The way they worded it, they talked about... That's they, not... They, they never showed it in the thing, and then they were like, it, they, these these carrions like, take souls No, they do show it in, back. The, in the carving. But I didn't twig that that's what it was. No, no, that's... that's yeah. And I was like, taking souls back to the master, and the more souls that they, he gathers, the more powerful he becomes. And I'm like, also, I mean, that's how Mephisto works. He makes deals and, and the souls that he claims. separate like, characters. But that's the thing, I wasn't aware of the Dora Dark. Yes. See, when it comes to It's sort a minor of, character, but yeah. Okay, exactly. when it when it comes to sort of the, the more mythological elements, the Marvel universe and stuff, like like Shang-Chi, my exposure to Shang-Chi's mostly been through his times with Spider-Man. Now I've got Marvel Unlimited. Fuck that noise. I'm gonna do a big old back catalogue. Yeah. Really. But like it's mostly been his times with Spider-Man, because uh, Dan Slot loves Shang-Chi. There's he brings not him a lot in. of good Shang-Chi. Dan Slot, Dan Slot and Gail Simone are two writers who love Shang-Chi so much that they didn't get the chance to write for them. So they would write them into yeah, their, yeah, stuff. Them in their stuff. Shang-Chi appears a lot during the pre-Spider Island. Spider-Man loses his spider sense. Yes. And he realises that he was relying so heavily on that in particular. So he teaches... Uh, he, he, he's taught and learns with Shang-Chi. He goes away for a week. They develop and they develop Spider-Foo. Yeah. And then that is what helps him through Spider-Island because he's without his spider sense during that, the whole event. But also Shang-Chi then gets a tie-in during Spider-Island where he's dealing with these missing people early on in it who are being dragged to this mansion and you learn that the Bride of Nine Spiders has been drawn to the event. Of course. And it becomes this really creepy... I wonder if I've got it nearby. I'll, I'll show you after. Tangent, tangent, But there's this really creepy freaking like, sequence of events where he, Shang, is mutating into a spider. Yes. The people who've been kidnapped are mutating into spiders. The Bride of Nine Spiders is like, not sure how I'm supposed to deal with this. And then you've got this other being that is like, I can't remember its name now, but it's like a, it's it's like human body from the waist up, spider abdomen and legs from the waist down. Oh, down. a sense spider. And it's just getting more and more aggressive and freaky and it's fucking terrifying to read. It's like, tie-ins can be great sometimes, kids. This one's making me want to be. my let's talk about the movie, Chris. Yeah, and Gil Simone writes in the whole thing in Domino that... Shang- Let's talk about the movie, Chris. Domino wants to fuck Shang-Chi real Let's bad. talk about the movie, Chris. And we will. So the point I'm making is they use the ancient creatures like yes. of the Marvel Universe in a way that is super effective. Yeah. And like you said, dragon fight. Big dragon fight. Fucking dragon fight. Um, After big Shang-Chi Wenwu fight where they oh, sort of emotionally yeah. reconcile and Wenwu sacrifices himself to the Dweller in Darkness to allow Shang-Chi the The Ten Rings. To... So, yeah, After they've Shang-Chi... had a fight with them. Yeah. Um, which gets is the ten rings. metal as fuck when he literally um, brings them together in a ball of it's energy. It's a Kamehameha. Because <laughs> it gets referenced later, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a Dragon Ball Z Kamehameha. And he does that and then says no and just lets them fall yeah. to the ground. And you're like, ooh, this is good. 
That's alright because he gets to zap the fuck out of the dweller in darkness later. Yeah, he does. Oh my god, the bit where uh, Katie hits it with the arrow in the neck. Yeah. Is brilliant. Um, and then when he just like zaps the rings into its chest and basically blenders it to yeah, death. pulls it apart. Fuck, that was very incredible. Very good, very good. Um, again, like... It's very big... very obvious superhero. It's not a blue they light beam to... in the sky. It's like they have to escalate, don't they? They have mm. to get that big thing at the start. So, I'm trying to think of which other know. ones don't. One division's the only one I can think of that like does it. It has its cake, but then it also eats it by having the... the uh, what's the bloody thingy ship conversation? Ship of Theseus. Ship of Theseus. Like, oh, that's yeah, the only yeah. Marvel thing I can think of in recent times that has both. Yeah. Um, and it kind of lets both happen. But it's all about character. It's absolutely awarded. Um, Nan is a phenomenal uh, addition as well. Like meeting yeah. her auntie late in the game. Um, uh, Michelle Yeoh playing Nan and doing a fucking excellent job. Um, the sort of the airbending style. Yeah. Like fight stuff Very is. Good. Oh, it's so beautiful. Very good. And then just the, we we only we only see Trevor a couple of times during this. And I think that's I think that's on purpose because they don't want to. One thing that I think was the fear of this with Aquafina's character and everything is that it was going to be very kind of Too serious thing, really. serious thing. <laughs> Saki comment, am I right? And that happens. It's the Marvel style, but it doesn't happen in the third act yeah. very often. No, they let the third act do its thing and they minimize it. So you only really get a couple of comedy moments during the final confrontation, which is Razor Fist switching sides after seeing the yeah. Death Dealer, who we've who's been f- like formidable up to this point, yeah. just get immediately its soul ripped out, and it's just sucks, it's yeah. just a hollow vessel on the floor now. He's like, yeah, we'll join up with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well done. Um, <laughs> also, did you notice that the body armor of all of his all of his men was like a SWAT version of what when we was wearing yes. in the first flashback? Yeah. Fucking brilliant design work in this film. So good, gorgeous. Um, and then you get a couple of moments with Trevor, like where he's playing dead yeah. and convinces Morris to do the same, so that neither of them get bothered during the big bit of the, the fight, which admittedly. They would both die horribly yeah. if they took part. Yeah. So they play dead. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, uh, oh, God, the lions. Yeah. Fucking hell, those things are amazing. Um, and also, it's the little foxes with the wavy tails. Lucy yeah. went, it's like Vulpix and Ninetales. And yeah. it, was, it was only after about ten minutes we both went, oh, yeah, I guess because they'll be based yeah. off of something yeah, yeah. that actually is in mythology around that part of the world. Yeah. Fucking idiots. I can't idiots. remember the name, but the, yeah, there's their bait. That's a... Um, <laughs> when they're trying... They drive through in the chorus to stop because they're basically going on this like magical safari for five minutes in one of the most visually impressive sequences in the film, and it's just that horse with a reptile face. And it just sort of stops and looks at him like, mm-hmm. and just stands in front. And it's like being on safari. It's like going to a bloody safari park when you end up with just like a horse just stood in front of you for five minutes. You're like, I mean, we can't go because <laughs> yeah. we just got to wait for it to move. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite funny. Um, but then obviously we find that Trevor, while everyone else is suited up for the battle and working with the dragon scale, love that addition. Yeah. Because that's how that is how he's going to be able to play out with the bigger yep. like threats in the Marvel universe. Well, that the more cos- rings. well yeah, well, is he gonna use them? Hmm. I don't know if he's gonna use them. I yeah, think that, I think that'll be that'll be a team up movie or sequel movie moment where it's like shit's got real and he's like yeah. opens the chest and he's like, We're I, going with I don't think it's clear how much they corrupted the uh, Wenwu, yeah. Or if they did, I think I think that's why Shang. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, but, I don't think I don't think they've like, you know, you know, emotional inhibit a Doc Ock tentacle no, style. No, no, no. I think it's more that like his, well, he, well, he's because his lust for power has grown because of what he's able to do. That's what comes with the mid credits is no one knows what they are. Yes. Yeah. 
Wong doesn't know what they are. Wong doesn't know. He brings in Captain Marvel and, and Bruce, Bruce Banner, Banner, who is now Bruce Banner again. But still with a fucked up arm. Still with a fucked up arm and a cast. Um, and noticeably older. Yes. Which he would be, because he he is older than like a lot of the other characters, because he lived through the five years. Yeah. He's been the Hulk. He'll have, he'll be knackered now that he's reverted back in some way. Yeah. He's got... he's. He's got crazy professor hair. Yeah, he's got crazy professor. He's got crazy hair, professor which I'm here hair. for. Um, and Carol still wearing the Endgame suit, which yeah. is lush. Lost the uh, lost the wicked cool coded haircut though. Oh well, bit of a shame. But uh, it's I'm nice to see them. And I love, I, the yeah, I love the fact that she's like, okay, this is weird. Like, yeah, I'll find, I'll see what I can find out. But I have other stuff to deal with. Bruce has got my number. He can get you back in touch with me. See you, Bruce. It was lovely to see you. Lovely to meet you. And then she disappeared. And it's as weird as it sounds. It's nice to see um, Carol's at a point now where she's a lot a lot cheerier in herself. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously we've seen her go through horrid shit and then be like the muscle in a big fight. So to see that her and herself now is like, I'm fucking Captain Marvel, guys. It's pretty yeah. cool. It was really sweet. It was like, yay, I can't wait for the Marvels. I want to see what you've been up to. But then Bruce is like, I, she does this a lot. I don't have her number. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't have a way to contact her. I don't know what she's on about. Um, I mean, we've got to have a scene of Matt Ruffalo being confused about something. Yeah. Because that's just... Uh, 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 when did you fall asleep? Party in '99. <laughs> um, so we've got <laughs> we've got that uh, we've got that kind of setup like from Wong in the Sanctum that it was when the rings were used to kill. Um, Ring were used by Shang. By Shang to and to kill uh, the the uh, Dweller in Darkness. I don't think necessarily like, no, but, to but, kill him, but that, when he started using them, yeah, it began emitting a signal. Yeah. Because his energy colour changes. Yeah. They're blue when... It's the standard blue-orange contrast. They're, the, 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 they're blue when... When Wu has used when them, they've blue them. for thousands of years. When they're, and they're early in the in the prologue when Lee uses them, and then again when Shang uses them, they go, they go orange. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Something's going on with that. Something's well, happening. Uh, well, I mean, he is... He is... And his sister are half... Born. I don't mean two... Shang. I mean the rings. Oh no, but I mean like they are half born of two universes. Yeah, that's true. So it could be more of a like a breach in the universe kind of thing. Yeah, it's like them using it because that's the thing. Like when it, when when uh, when we first like meets their mother, she's not in that other universe. No, she's guarding it on the outside. She's at the gate though, so she yeah. can still call on the powers. I that love she has that that hardcore fight ends with him just being dropped at the dropped at the pond. And, per- and it's the, the perfect start ending. Of their love affair. It's the perfect ending yeah. to it. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like they they are of two different universes. Yeah, their children are half of two different universes. Yeah, that's true. So maybe that plays into it. Maybe maybe it's a thing of like ah, this universe is reacting because the ten rings were found in yeah. a crater here. Yeah, well, they never. We know they're from outer space because comics. But like, it's that whole thing of. They, some say they were in an ancient temple. Yeah. Some say they were found in a crater in the earth. Some say they fell from the sky. You know, so they, they fell from the sky. Like they came from space. Yeah. Um, and maybe something in this universe, like I don't know, has been looking to get to the other one, or like it's an interdimensional thing. Who knows? I'm. Th- I'm All we know is with this is totally going to get answered. I'm thinking they're celestial. Oh okay. yeah. Might have to do with the deviants, even. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe. Because the deviants don't look too dissimilar to the fucking hellish things that come they from beyond the gate in this. Actually. Um, and then, of course... <laughs> Sorry, I've just remembered how the, how the mid credit scene ends. 
It's like, okay, well, it's, it's, the, Wong basically is like, he doesn't say it, but he's basically like, you're about to get involved in some Avengers shit now. You two are about to get involved in some Avengers level shit. Yeah. Everything ahead of you is going to... Oh, like you. He basically gives the Nick Fury. He's like, you're, yeah. you're part of a bigger world. Everything's about to change. And then he's like, you better get some rest. And they're like, yeah. Oh. oh, and then the three from Garden do fucking karaoke, which is a callback to them doing the same the, thing the in the two, film. and also the two Eagles yeah. gags earlier, yeah. <laughs> when she does it on the scaffolding and it works <laughs> for a moment. The assassin hesitates for a second, like, fucking what, and then like goes back to <laughs> brilliant, um, absolutely brilliant. And then our post-credit scene setting up that Jayling is taking down a posters, back in her old bedroom. Razor Fist is loyal. The men are loyal. The men and women that they have recruited are loyal. They are building external parts to the compound, including fucking satellite dishes. That I'm assuming so they can get like TV, radio, Wi-Fi, like connection comms. They are modernizing it. It's covered in graffiti. She is now the leader of what the Ten Rings is about to become. Because the Ten Wing, Ten Ten Wings, the Ten Wings, the Ten Rings. Well, we know what we have for dinner now. The Ten Rings <laughs> will return, and it's the fact that that's the tag at the yeah. end. Yeah. It's a guarantee. We know that Shang Chi is going to return. Oh yeah, because he's an he's an Avenger. But the he's fact that the post credit scene is the Ten Rings will return. Yeah, and it's and not in a like a oh no in like a oh kind of way. I dug the fuck out of this. It's so good. I loved it. Should we speed the email? Let's, let's no, it's, it. it's really chunky, so we'll leave it to next. Okay, week. so email next week. Email yeah. next week. Curse you, practicality. Yeah, because we're yeah we're we're. About coming up on the two hour mark, so we best wrap yeah. it up. Lou's leaving it too, which is when I can do yeah. my audio work and uh, means I've got to make dinner in the meantime. Yes. Um, but you guys can uh, feed us and, and feed us well by going to Twitter, following us at Big Damn Cast. You can uh, feed Matt's mind and thoughts by going to twitch.tv slash Big Damn Stream for a cheeky little bit of adventures in backlogging. Are you still on Far uh, Devil May Cry 5? Yes. And then it said Far Cry 5. That's Coming towards the end of it. Devil May Far Cry 5. Uh, it's where Dante's going to work his way out of a religious compound <laughs> um, and uh, you could also straight up feed the beast patreon.com slash big damn cast help us keep the lights on so that we may eat light bulbs for dinner uh, if you want to email in bigdamncontact.gmail.com send them in for next week we'll uh, do the Shang-Chi email next week and we'll also do a bunch of other Shang-Chi stuff if you want to say it as well as what if catch up Rick and Morty finale uh, is anything else anything else anything else no. For those listening along at home, Matt just shook his head. No. I think that I think that's good.